So, welcome once again to another Coffee and Heroes podcast as we reach number 104. We officially outrank the uh, issue numbers for Batman at the moment, so clearly that means we're better than Batman. We are doing pre- <laughs> We are doing previews uh, this week. We're going to be going through the October book for December releases. So your host as always, Alan. I'm delighted to be joined by Mr. Keith Miller. I are yet. And Mr. Roddy McCants. Hello, how's it going? Uh, I am wonderful. How has your weekends been, gentlemen? We should say we're recording this on a Monday evening. So weekends out of the way. I was delighted to see both of them in the store this weekend. Vicky finally no longer was offended that Roddy hadn't been in for a few weeks. <laughs> uh, and then and then he came in and we couldn't get rid of him. He was there all day. I know, yeah. <laughs> Can't get rid of me once I'm there. Uh, no, my, uh, my little uh, small travels are over. Um, I just wanted to take myself away last, uh, last weekend to see some of our beautiful countryside. Um, but yeah. I had a really good Saturday actually hanging out with all you guys and then pretty much went home and just grabbed a few beers and just read about, I think I had about 15 comics overall and just, just like went straight through them. Um, loads of good stuff in there, which we'll get to, well, maybe not mention them. We'll get to them down the line, you know, in a couple of our next review shows. Looking forward to that. But yeah, um, didn't really do much else over the weekend. Been doing a lot of running recently, been building that back up. And then I had a wee Ikea trip yesterday, so that was pretty good. Uh, built some flat pack furniture, always a, always a good thing. Um, yeah, <laughs> back to work. Yeah, <laughs> back to work today. Um, but yeah, it's been been quite... Uh, the summer's still hanging in there, so that's kind of nice to see. It's been Just quite about. sunny. Yeah, but like it's got a wee, that wee crisp chill is in the air, so... Yeah, autumn's not not far away. And how about yourself, Keith? How was your weekend, sir? Uh, well, it was uh, it was it was nice. I I, uh, I didn't end up going too far. No trips to Cork or Dublin or up to the north coast. So it was a balm to the soul to see Roddy for an hour on Saturday morning in the store. I have to say, that lovely lovely chat. Uh, it's uh, it's been a wee bit. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, this last week or so, they've introduced some some changes and lockdown measures here in Northern Ireland, uh, putting a, put a ban on live music uh, entirely, uh, which is not sitting very well with anybody, uh, especially the music industry. So uh, that, you know, combined with sort of not really, uh, Bruna's headed on down to Dublin again to start work, so I'm back in the house of my own. So, you know, getting used to getting used to being back. And it's, it's funny how quickly you get, you know, you go, you get used to having someone else around. You know, for for six months, and then uh, and then uh, suddenly you're 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 back to on your own again. But uh, but I'm not quite feral just yet. Um, <laughs> so that's good. So yeah, it was lovely to get down to the shop and get a bit of a chat on the, on Saturday morning at the head shared, and then um, Saturday afternoon I I went to see the first live music that I've seen in six months actually, uh, which is strange considering they have banned uh, live music, but. Um, a a group of promoters got together and did a, a drive-in gig uh, down at Belfast Harbour. Uh, you know, they set up a huge screen. The artist was performing on stage. They set up a huge screen, and then uh, obviously the the vocals, the, the music came through your uh, came through your radio whenever you tuned into a particular station. So uh, two two fantastic uh, Northern Irish musicians, uh, Kieran Lavery and Joshua Burnside, performed. Uh, and I, uh, you know, went down with the. Uh, 
with a with a buddy, um, and it was just lovely to it was lovely to to sit and listen. And once you once you start connecting the noise that's coming out of your radio with what's happening on stage, you know, once you can get through that, it was it was great. So, I mean, maybe we're looking at the uh, at the future of of live music for for now. Anyway, I don't know, but uh, but yeah, it was it was really fantastic. But the, the thing was, nobody was uh, nobody was clapping. It was all honking of horns and flashing of lights. You know? So, but uh, but yeah, so that was great. Um, I didn't uh, I didn't stay for. Uh, and so I watch you from a fars gig, which was uh, hilariously titled. And so I watch you from a car, um, but uh, I heard it went off quite quite well. Um, so yeah, uh, evening, uh, just chilled out. You know, read some comics, to, uh, watched it, watched a bit of TV, a few movies, and uh, and the weekend just sort of wild away. Yeah, you had me worried with your weekend, Keith, because obviously we've we've several group chats that we're all party of, and. You know, Keith was talking about Bloodsport in a derogatory way at the start of his message, and I was really worried because Bloodsport is an undisputed classic. But luckily, by the end of the same message, he still said, "But yet, it's brilliant, despite the fact it should be terrible." <laughs> and I mean, it has all the it has all the pieces that make it terrible. You know, a, a paper thin story, a terrible, terrible dialogue and acting. But yet, it's just it's class. It really was a you know a good show. Um, I mean. Obviously, Jean-Claude Van Damme in there very, very early in his career because he can do the box splits. Uh, his his body looks well when it's oiled up and uh, and, he, and he can hit people well, you know. So, uh, yeah, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyable now, I have to say. And if you take one thing away from this podcast this time, it's go and watch Bloodsport. It is awesome. One of my right. favorite movies right. of all time. Yeah. That was the golden era of Van Damme. So it was with Bloodsport and Kickboxer and AWOL. But I'm, I'm getting off track here. I'm getting off track. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting because, you know, at the end it says, you know, it tells you it's based on a true story. But, you know, you look into that story for one minute and you realize that the guy, the original Frank Dukes, was a total bullshitter. Like, he, uh, <laughs> you know, he made up a military career. He made up this, this uh, made up secret martial arts contest that he apparently took part in. Um, but uh yeah but it was it was still a great great show really i haven't seen it in in years maybe 10 15 years you know so it's nice to reacquaint myself don't burst my bubble keith i thought that full movie was gospel the complete truth (laughs) as it happened um yeah i mean for a weekend for myself yeah good busy day in the store on saturday and then some I, i sort of had a combination of the two of your weekends because i got through all of my issues uh, last night but prior to that I watched the movie it was first time I'd watched the battle angel alita based on a long-running manga and it was pretty great I have to say and I was just saying before this the only negative to it is that it's clearly the midpoint I started reading up on it and it's based on so battle angel alita is nine volumes and they fit four volumes into that movie so clearly we're at the midpoint I just don't know if it did well enough to uh, actually get yeah. a sequel I always heard good things about it but um yeah I don't think it did like I'm sure it made its money back, but I don't think it made much more than that. Yeah, I mean, considering but, um, James Cameron was on board producing it, and he wanted to direct it for a long, long time, and then he ended up handing over the reins to Robert Rodriguez. But Cameron just unfortunately has committed to making Avatar movies <laughs> the rest of his life, which is a real waste of talent, if you ask me, when you consider the man did Aliens and Terminator. But I digress. But yeah, good weekend, and then... As I say, we're recording this the Monday night, so we're getting ready for a really busy week this week. Three Jokers number twos out this Wednesday. Venom 28 after a, a delay of a week is out this Wednesday. Batman Joker Warzone's out this Wednesday. It's a massive stacked week this week, and I'm really looking forward to that. 
which in turn I will really look forward to a review show about it, which will be coming your way soon also. But we are not here today to talk about reviews, we are going to focus on previews. So again, as always, the idea behind this podcast is just to guide you guys to what's coming out uh, down the line. With comics, it's always a case of getting pre-orders in for titles that come out two months down the line. It is ridiculously unique in that, st- uh, in that sense, in terms of an industry. But there's so many new titles come out or that get solicited each month that we just like to guide you through it and sort of pick out the best of what we like. You know, one of the most common compliments I hear for the podcast is that because we have such diverse taste there's always something for everyone you know i'll you know i do read a bit of everything but i'll always focus more on the dc keith more on the marvel roddy more on the indie so we try our best to sort of cover everything that we can so before we get into sort of the meat and bones you know we always pick out five titles each each month and we'll always finish off with the title we're looking forward to most so even if it's a case of you know you can only pick up one or two titles a month we'll we'll let you know the sort of creme de la creme if you will but before we get into that, we always like to have a general overview of how each individual book is looking. So Roddy will cover the indie, I'll cover the DC and Keith the Marvel. So why don't you kick us off, Roddy? What was the indie book looking like? I should mention this is the October previews books and these are for release in December. So hit us with some indie love. Yeah, um, there's a lot of love to go around, Alan. <laughs> there's, I'm just waiting for the month where it's it's bad um this why, this is why would you want to wait for that month because <laughs> he knows it's well. never going to happen <laughs> but yeah it's it's massive this month um yeah so we're looking some it seems image have always kind of had one or two books big ones but i think this is the month where they're trying to they've got a chance to really take back their indie crown i would say um there's some big big time books AWA um, are also releasing a couple of brand new titles, brand new number ones that look very special. Um, yeah, um, a lot of intriguing stuff. There's um, because it's obviously December is a month which has a massive holiday in it. So Don't there's mention a lot of... the C word, Roddy. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's a lot of cracking looking volume ones that would make great christmas presents great holiday presents shall we say for yourself or for anyone else um there's bliss that texas blood is getting the trade paperback of volume one and there's a few more that we'll get into um even the ongoing stuff it just really makes you feel like it's a golden age you know because we've got there's just so many class titles um i didn't see in terms of that sort of stuff there's not much to jump on but yeah there's a lot of class looking number ones um it it seems a bit that's what i was kind of saying image do their it's a big month for them i'd maybe say not so much for a lot of the other companies you know you're i think vault have a really impressive looking month um aftershock have a couple of good things awa as i said um all the other guys, IDW and Dark Horse, kind of just seem like they're ticking over. Um, Boom, also the same. They do have a couple of things going on. There's a new Expanse comic book, so they picked up a new license. And then there's a, I think it's the end of their first Firefly events, which Keith is probably the only one reading, maybe. Blue Sun Rising, yeah. So it's a, an event that's just taken place throughout the uh, throughout the ongoing series, which I think of 
I think I've said to you is just a fantastic use of a license, um, just the way they're the way they're doing it. So, uh, Blue Sun Rising is the I guess there's a one shot that's marking the end of that particular event. Yeah. Yeah, um, oh, boom, boom! Know what they're doing anyway. But yeah, um, that's kind of it. It's um, it's kind of a sad month too because Dark Horse will be saying goodbye to Alien. I think that's the last uh, single release. Is the final issue of Alien, the original screenplay, which I I read the first two of those and they they were fantastic, weren't they? Really, yeah. really, really, really intriguing stuff. Um, we. We talked about it more on the last review show for number one, didn't we? Um, but yeah, and also it's going to be a sad, exciting month for me because we've got a bumper-sized final issue for Gideon Falls, so maybe that's the best Christmas present of all. <laughs> 80 pages, no less for that issue yeah, 27. So can't, can't wait for that, but yeah, it's, um, sorry, sorry to see it go. But yeah, um, Indy, great. Yeah, I mean, tons of indie books are are certainly on the on the board. Certainly in the store, Vicky's picked a lot of indie books this month as well. As you say, Roddy, the thing with indie is just there's always something for everybody every month, no matter your taste, uh, yeah. what genre you like, anything like that. So it's it's no surprise to see a strong one, and as you say, plenty of strong trades in there as well, and some and an original graphic that I'll certainly get on to later that I think all three yeah, of us will uh, certainly look totally. forward to. That's right. Totally, and there there was one in there, Roddy. Actually, that I know you and I have have been a huge fan of, and uh, it's getting its first trade paperback uh, from from Image, which is that Texas Blood. Yes. Um. Oof. So if if you haven't picked up the first few issues of that book, I'd highly recommend that you scurry into the store and ask uh, Alan or Vicky to to, uh, to order that one for you because that has been unbelievable. Yeah. It's kind of it's kind of one we left off actually here because I think we just talk about it so much. It's one of those. I think we we've talked about the first three already. So <laughs> um, yeah, there's, yeah, there's, there's, definitely there's a certain, lot of stuff like that. Definitely certain oh, sorry, titles. No, 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 it's all there's there's definitely certain things like that that we're just we obviously talk about a lot because we love it so much. But as, I guess sometimes we want to veer away from just recommending the same thing every time. But but yeah, I mean, we have a lot of customers in store who just are trade readers, you know, they they don't get into single issues, you know, everyone, you know, takes their content in in different ways these days. So I think that'll be a great seller because, you know, just a ridiculously strong story. So and, and again, as you say, it'll make a great gift for this coming gift giving season. Chris, what? No, I didn't say Christmas. <laughs> cool. So that is the indie book. So yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll jump on to myself with uh, the DC book this month. Uh, so I, I found it really funny when I clicked on to write our notes that I saw highlighted in yellow under Alan was last month you said there'd be a relaunch for DC. You You're know what? always being questioned. I still think there might be next year. I really do. Uh, there was an announcement with Mark Wade coming back to DC to do a title that'll get on to later in the book. I think he's the kind of guy that can help steer the ship of DC and what direction they're going in. I see that... Uh, you know, Snyder finishes off Metal this month, and he has said that he will be stepping away from DC to focus on creator-owned stuff. So I still think there might be just, just I'll, I'll, was, uh, I'll watch this. Space. You get a wee look behind the curtain there, because uh, I mean, whenever we put the script together, I just, I just figured it was something that you had talked about last month that you might want to pick up again. You know, but it was interesting because I was listening to uh, uh, Stegman and his amazing friends and Scott Snyder. 
and he's very much against the idea of of reboots and 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 all of that sort of stuff. So I would say if DC were to, especially with the way Generations was was pulled, mm-hmm. I mean, and and that sort of thing, if they were to reboot now, they'd be really be you know, kicking caught Scott Snyder in the face after death metal. Like. Yeah. I mean, he's probably delivered consistently some of their biggest hits over the years. So, I mean, this is the thing I, when, when I say this, I think there might be a relaunch. I don't want a relaunch. I am more than Ooh. happy with how the books are going. Stick to, you know, 12 issue maxi series for your more interesting characters. Keep your strong ongoings for your main characters. But the one thing I wish DC would do above all, not to divulge slightly away here, is I wish they'd follow Marvel's example and just uh, integrate legacy numbering into their books and therefore make it easy for both new readers and for classic readers. But but yeah, with the December book in general, just to get back to it, I mean, it's a very solid end of year book for DC. Uh, we finally got a proper release date for a title I've been looking forward to. Well, I think we've all been looking forward to for, for almost a year. We're now getting the first issue of that, which we'll get on to later. There's some more death metal one shots, which I know Keith is looking forward to all of coming our <laughs> way as well. Don't sully my good name. <laughs> uh, and there's also some more one shot tales from the dark multiverse, which again, I'll get onto a little bit later. The, we have a Batman annual in here with an artist that might even convince Roddy to pick up a Batman title, which I'm very oh. excited about. Um, there's already convinced. Yes, I can. You heard that, everyone. I can mark that down. Uh, there is a DC Winter event that, I'll be honest, I wasn't too sure that that many people were excited about. It's sort of arriving with little fanfare. It's it's not got the, the biggest creative team in the world, and it's also very awkwardly set up. It's called Endless Winter. But we might end up talking about it a little bit because the, the pre-orders are creeping up on that, so maybe we don't have our finger on the pulse in this one. I don't know, but... Uh, we'll, we'll maybe get into that a wee bit later. <laughs> We're getting old, boys. It's time uh, to move on. That's it, you know. <laughs> put us out the pasture. Uh, there's also an advert in there for the mysterious sounding future state, which is due in January and February next year, so it's been dated. I did sort of maybe think this might be a relaunch, but I'm also thinking this might be some of the younger characters maybe propelled into the future. Uh, I know Keith would dearly love to see a return for Batman Beyond. You know, well, that's a that's a sad one for DC this month, Alan, because uh, Batman Beyond Fifty has its finale. Yeah, you know, with uh, there's a few finales through this month. You know, the aforementioned, as Keith said, Batman Beyond. We've got Bendis wrapping up his long runs on Superman and action comics. Uh, there's a couple of Black Label miniseries coming to an end as well. Tons of continuing prestige series: American Vampire, Deceased, Rorschach, Batman, Strange Adventures. And what was good to see in the book this month as well was there's also some new titles for younger readers as well. So, uh, yeah, and then just to finish off, there's some cracking anthology series and one-shots as well. So it rounds out what I think is a very, very strong-looking month for DC. So, yeah, tons to, tons to dig into there. Uh, and then what of the other of the big two? Keith, how's Marvel looking this month? Well, the the Marvel in December is, is, uh, is defined by three words. King in Black by uh, Donny Cates and uh, and Ryan Stegman. Um, to say that that Absolute Carnage was a prelude to something would be an insult to the absolute madness that was that book. But it seems that it was, uh, and we'll be going into that a little bit later. Um, what else have we got? Um, I mean, there's there's Eternals and, and and those sorts of books will be continuing the X books. Have, will have come out of the back of uh, of X of Swords, um, and so we'll just be continuing on in their in their usual way. Some of them are uh, are have got new teams, you know. And uh, just whenever you're talking about legacy numbering, 
We've got Wolverine number eight, which is also Wolverine number 350. Uh, which is Q17 variants. Exactly. Uh, it kind of makes a bit of a a bit of a, a, a joke of the, the legacy numbering, you know. Um, Last Remains continues in The Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, we've got the launch of a new spider book called web of spider-man but it's w-e-b of spider-man um which is about a, a tech technology institute sort of thing uh i think ultraman will be will be wrapping up isn't that right roddy is it four or five issues yes five issues um so, so it'll be uh, it'll be wrapping up in january actually yeah. um we have we look it looks like uh we've got uh some exciting stuff happening in donny kate's store and al ewing's uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. We have Enter the Phoenix uh, taking flight in uh, Jason Aaron's Avengers. That's just a, it's a story arc inside of just inside of the Avengers title. So no, no worries there. Uh, Iron Man will be on the new Iron Man series. Christopher Cantwell and Cafu will be on number five. Really enjoyed the first issue of that. Um, but other than that, you know, we're it, it, it's there's a lot of ongoings. Um, we've got uh, we've got. Uh, daredevil's new uh new story arc uh doing time kicking off and daredevil's just totally strong uh conan's back um and there's a there's a bunch of uh there's a bunch of really uh really fantastic uh trades um uh i guess in december we've got marvel uh kicking off with uh, just to pick up where roddy left off kicking off with the alien stuff um with the uh the alien original years omnibus volume one hardcover um, so that includes uh, Aliens 1 to 6 from 1988, uh, Aliens 1 to 4 from 1989, Earth War, Genocide, Hive, Tribes, Newt's Tale, Alien 3, uh, Alien Space Marines, all sorts of uh, reprinted Dark Horse stuff uh, in there. So, yeah, I mean, that's, class. that's a big one. That's a, that's a $125 book, but uh, at... Uh, yeah, it looks, looks a, gorgeous. A mammoth um, 1,032 pages. Yep, and a, and a Greg Land cover. Um, what else have we got in here? I noticed, uh, jumped out at me, Alan, jumped out at me, was uh, there's a, a Thunderbolts Omnibus, um, a Thunderbolts Omnibus Volume 1 hardcover with a Mark Bagley cover. Um, and that i would just I'd, I'd recommend completely it's another 125 pound book it includes uh the original thunderbolts run from 1997 issue 0 to 33 thunderbolts annual from 1997 uh thunderbolts distance rumblings one shot and thunderbolts minus one incredible hulk 1968 449 spider-man team up heroes for hire the captain american citizen v annual and tales from the marvel universe so being able to re-experience that that book that you know, it was launched. It was launched before the internet was really a massive, massively uptaken thing. The, the idea of spoilers in the internet was not was not a thing. So, so being able to, if you've never read that first issue, being able to see that that cover that 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 not cover that end that was a total surprise uh, would be lovely. So, if you've never read Thunderbolts, which is absolutely one of my favorite favorite runs of all time, Kurt Busiek and uh, and uh, Mark Bagley, I would highly recommend that. Uh, that hardcover, um, but it is a chunk of change. So, um, but yeah, there's uh, there's plenty of plenty of good stuff uh, coming out. There's a lot of um, support for the Eternals in the trade section. You know, uh, trade paperbacks and hardcovers just to to support the the new ongoing series. Um, 
Uh, but other than that, I think that I think that that covers it. There's there's plenty going on. Yeah, I mean, just to jump on your point there, just very quickly, when you're talking about the omnibuses and that kind of thing, it's always worth having a look if any of those interest you. That they'll always do what's called a direct market cover, so they'll do a slightly different cover for the omnibuses that are only available in comic stores. So you'll see with that Thunderbolts one, for example, Keith's talking about. You've got uh, a Mark Bagley. Co uh, cover to the main one which is based on the first issue but you've also got another Bagley annual cover which you know just to give you a different choice there uh, and then one th last thing I should mention otherwise Vicky might you know cut my head off is that there is an all-new Wolverine omnibus uh, being solicited this month this is a Tom Taylor run that I believe is amongst Vicky's favorite ever comics she's been asking me for genuinely a year and a half two years is there ever going to be a nice omnibus for all new Wolverine? Because it's absolutely brilliant and I want it all in one place. Well, yeah, it's an early solicit. It's not out until April of next year. But same again, you've got the main cover there, which is uh, your traditional Laura Kinney cover. Or there also is a, an Adam Kubert variant cover as well. So, yeah, just worth keeping an eye on for those. Omnibuses are definitely becoming more popular in store. There's more people pre-ordering them, more people just like having that sheer wealth of content all in one place, mm. you know. it's <laughs> If I didn't have everything that's in the Thunderbolts Omnibus hardcover, it would be mine. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just, it's an interesting format because, you know, obviously with that Thunderbolts one, for example, I think it says it's 1,100 pages. So you're talking the guts of 45 to 50 issues in there, which yeah. if you try and backtrace those independently, you'll probably pay more than the omnibus. So although the omnibuses can be a chunk of change, as you say, they actually do work out good value when you when you break it down. Plus, they look really nice on the shelf as well. Speaking of uh, really nice looking on the shelf, um, just at the back of, uh, of the, the Marvel previews, there's the Diamond Select Toys section. There is a fantastic diorama of Hawkeye with Pizza Dog. Uh, which just looks great. Um, so, not normally want to mention the uh, to mention the the statues, but that looks fantastic, doesn't it? <laughs> From one of the best Hawkeye runs, no less. Exactly. And even then, just jumping on Hawkeye as well, just to add to what you were talking about, trades some wonderful trades from Marvel this month as well. You've got uh, Hawkeye Freefall hitting trade. You've got Falcon Winter Soldier. Been really digging that so far, which will be hitting trade. And also the J.J. Abrams Spider-Man, which I don't know if you've read issue four or not, but holy moly, that got dark. Mm, not quite yet, but I'll get there. <laughs> Absolutely, no doubt. So yeah, so that's just a, a brief rundown then of the, the books in general. Now, the books are always available in store. You can come down, have a flick through them, have a chat with us there. DC, I should say, is online only now. Uh, just look up dcconnect.com. And it's issue five we'll be covering everything that we're chatting about this month. So, yeah, we're going to kick it off. As, as I say, we always pick out five titles each. So we'll take it in turns for this. And I'll, I'll start off with myself. Now, I'm going to get a little bit of abuse for my first pick, and probably rightly so. Uh, after months of accusing Mr. Miller of circumventing the rules, if you will. and Rightfully so, you know, rightfully so. <laughs> picking two titles that fall into one. I rather lazily this month just wrote Tales from the Dark Multiverse, all one-shots. Uh, yeah, so Tales from the Dark Multiverse has been a label I've really enjoyed. It's it's essentially Elseworlds in all but name, uh, except that it focuses on the Dark Multiverse that we were introduced to through Dark Knight's Metal. So what they've been doing is looking at long-established prestige stories from DC's history and putting a spin on them. 
So we already have coming up is Hush and Flashpoint, which is going to be in November. But there were three more announced for December. And because these are just one shots, I just sort of feel that it's it's wise just putting them together and saying, you know, these are the three. So the three main events that they're going to be focusing on. So you've got one that's going to be based on Crisis on the Infinite Earths. This one, rather excitingly, actually, is written by Steve Orlando. Uh, who's a really, really good writer, really digging. Uh, I managed to get an early look at Commanders in Crisis that I know he's writing. Uh, really, really good first issue. But the art's by Mike Perkins as well, who did such uh, good work on Lois Lane. You've also got Wonder Woman War of the Gods, which is written by Vita Ayala and art by Ariel Olivetti. And then you finish off with one that I find kind of funny, which is Tales from the Dark Multiverse, Dark Knight's Metal which is what sort of kicked it all off. Uh, this one's uh, a little bit of a team effort. The writers are Colin Kelly, Jackson Lansing, and Scott Snyder. And the art by Carl Moster, who's a South African artist who did Deceased Unkillables. So at the very least, this is going to look awesome. And Trevor Scott as well. So again, these are always 48 pages prestige format one-shots. So just to read you out the blurb for the three of them very, very quickly. For Crisis on Infinite Earths, when the Anti-Monitor's deadly grudge match with the multiverse was finally foiled, there was only one Earth left. But which Earth? That was crucial to what would happen next. In one timeline, Earth 1's Superman stopped the Superman of Earth 2 from going into the final battle. But in the Dark Multiverse, it's Jor-El of Earth 2 who survives, changing the landscape for all that follows. When Sorter comes looking to crush all life, the beleaguered heroes jump into their next big battle, jumping from one crisis to the next. But will the last days of the Justice Society of America play differently if Green Lantern Alan Scott can step into the darkness? Uh, then with War of the Gods, this is a, a very much a Wonder Woman based one. The realms of the gods have been turned upside down and inside out, on the verge of engulfing Earth and its people. Only one hero stands to defend it, Wonder Woman. But that is another world and another story. Behold the mirror image of this tale taking place in the dark multiverse, with a Wonder Woman who is ready to destroy it all. Cursed by the evil goddess of magic Hecate, our beloved Diana has become a weapon of vengeance ready to tear down any god or superhero that stands in her way. Will Earth and its heroes survive her might, or are they doomed to worship the dark princess of the Amazons for the rest of eternity? And then we finish off with, as I say, I find it hilarious that they're doing a Dark Knight's Metal, one of these, but... <laughs> in the event defining epic Dark Knight's Metal, the Justice League defeated the vile Barbados and his Dark Knights to save the universe from sinking into the abyss of the Dark Multiverse. But what if they had failed? What if Barbados reigned victorious? Enter an alternate timeline where the DCU, as you know it, has been dragged down into the darkness. Is that not death metal? That's uh, what I was wondering. <laughs> <laughs> this is very meta. <laughs> Witness the Justice League you once knew hideously transformed into dragons who serve at the mercy of evil. Duke Thomas, the last monitor, will have to seek out Nightwing, suddenly Keith is interested, and the few remaining survivors of the metal event to assemble the final Justice League in an attempt to save the multiverse. Featuring a story by metal architect Scott Snyder, rising stars Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing, and art by red-hot artist Carl Moster, you won't want to miss the biggest, loudest arena rock concert in the history of the DC Universe. I'm pretty sure that tagline was at the end of Metal Solicitation and at the end of Death Metal Solicitation, but <laughs> I'm still looking forward to them. So, yeah, they're going to be a series of one-shots, so they're not really particularly linked, so if only one of them appeals to you or only two of them or whatever, that's, that's absolutely fine. We do have a lot of people who, who tend to collect all three, so uh, really looking forward to those. I, I, I love alternate takes on classic stories, so uh, those are right up my alley, I have to say. It's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's probably a difficult time, you know, if you were coming into the DC catalogue 
this month looking to try something because you could very easily get confused between the Tales from the Dark Multiverse one-shots and the Dark Knight's death metal one-shots. Yeah, I think that's fair to a degree. I mean, it's it's certainly up to the comic stores, I think, to, to always be able to distinguish between these and guide people in the right way. But no, I fully accept that as a point. I mean... Tales from the Dark Multiverse and Dark Knight's Death Metal, I mean, it, it all kind of falls under the same umbrella and it would be mm. maybe easy to think this is uh, is linked to that, but that's why you listen to this podcast, people, so we can guide you in the right direction. Uh, yeah, they're all one-shots that completely stand on their own, whereas the ones Keith is alluding to, the Death Metal one-shots, they tend to tie into the, the ongoing Death Metal event. So, uh, But yeah, trust your local friendly comic book store uh, to guide you through these. Trouble times. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so that was my first pick. As I say, that was well, my first three picks. Um, Tales from the Dark Multiverse, all of the one-shots. Uh, I'll just very quickly fill in on what Vicky's first pick was, which is an Image Comics title called Homesick Pilots. So this is number one of, I believe, it is going to be an ongoing series. This one actually interests me as well, simply because of the writer, which is Dan Waters. Dan Waters did a really great, weird david lynchian type title called coffin bound which is currently ongoing and also was a writer for lucifer and the artist on this is someone called casper wingard who has worked on star wars and peter cannon thunderbolt so for this one in the summer of 1994 a haunted house walks across california inside is amy lead singer of a high school punk band who's been missing for weeks how did she get there and what do these ghosts want expect three chord songs and big bloody action that's Wait for it. Power Rangers meets The Shining. <laughs> uh, what more can you say to that? Uh, the preview art, I have to say, looks absolutely glorious in the books. Uh, there is a. I'm not usually one to look at preview art too closely because I don't really want an awful lot given away before I will actually read a title. And I tend to give most number ones a go. But the preview art in this looks great. Uh, set in 1994, as I say, so it'll have a, a slightly different aesthetic anyway. This might be quite nostalgic for us old people who uh, enjoy our comics as well. So might be one to keep a lookout for. As I say, it's a number one. So same again if... It, it also says if you like the likes of Stranger Things or Paper Girls or stuff like that, then this might be mm. this might be up your alley. So, yeah, I have to say that looks good. That is Homesick Pilots from Image. How is Vicky? She is wonderful. She is just back from actually shopping. So, you know, too tired to be chatting comics right now. But out of all of us, I think she finished her pull list first this week. Ah. so i i have a sneaky suspicion we may just get her on to a review show soon whether she likes it or not good i'll say that <laughs> bit lowly. we'd love to have her back well that's it it'd be great to you know get the full crew back together as well again but yeah she's just at the store much more these days so i suppose she's interacting with people much more through the store and so forth so that's uh that's always a good thing Fair so looking at you doesn't want to talk to you yeah well i just disappear <laughs> upstairs yeah, yeah fair <laughs> <laughs> so yeah homesick pilots number one that was vicky's first pick so what have you got for us roddy what is your first pick from this month's book um did you say dan waters dan waters yeah i did indeed yeah because he's back he's back with, already uh, the picture of everything else which is a number one from vault comics uh yeah as you say he is the writer of the trippy awesome coffin bound and we have artist Kishore Mohan, who 
um, worked with Ram V on a Kickstarter called Black Mamba a long time ago, and then Letterer Adia Bidikar, who did stuff for These Savage Shores as well, and also on Black Mamba too. Um, so it, it seems like these kind of all this there's kind of like a cool crew that kind of just jumps in and out of each other's books on this one but um yeah we've talked before these savage shores and like black stars above vault comics kind of have this like exciting literary comic fiction going on and this to me was like a home run when i heard about it um you i know the way you're saying about preview art alan but you just need to go and have a look at this. Kishore's art is phenomenal. It's like so dreamy and watercolory, but there's, you know, there's an underlying hint of just pure horror coming. I absolutely love it. Um, but yeah, as the 20th century dawns, art promises to change the world and steep it in blood. A rash of impossible killings sweep through Paris, tearing the rich and beautiful apart in their beds. When two art thieves stumble upon the portraits of the victims damaged in the exact same manner they died, it appears that the man who once painted the immortal portrait of Dorian Gray has returned with darker plans for future works. Um, does anyone know who the name of the man who painted Dorian Gray in the book? No. Silence. No. <laughs> yeah, Basil Basil Hallward, who a uh, bit of a spoiler for the uh, 19th century classic <laughs> Dorian Gray. Too uh, soon, Ronnie. Too soon. Dorian Dorian kills him, uh, as far as I remember. So that'll be interesting to see. Um, but yeah, um, anything sort of gothic um, 19th century horror is just right up my alley, and I loved. Um, I just loved the sound of this just like blew me away it sounds great um i've got a few wee quotes from the guys here um just to tell you a little bit more about the book um from kishore he says i've always been fascinated by how art influences the world not merely translating experiences across space and time but by actually altering opinions normalizing taboos instilling new values and changing every damn thing that it touches um yeah like this sounds great, and I love. I kind of love what Walter doing, and we've discussed a little bit before that um, they're hard to get, so they're definitely worth pre-ordering with your local comic book store. If Coffee and Heroes is not your local comic book store, why not? <laughs> the only reason we will accept is because you live in America if, or Australia. <laughs> and we, I mean, do, and anywhere else website. in the world, you. Are. There is a website. Yeah, I mean, Vault in general, I, I agree with Roddy. They're they're sort of sneaking under the radar a little bit. I mean, my my pull list this week, had, I have a couple of Vault titles on it. And believe it or not, Roddy, I don't think you're on any of them either. But no, there's well, a really well, really good one called Engine Ward, which I've really been enjoying, which is sort of like a, a steampunk exploration of all the different star signs. But they've all been manifested into like the gods and they rule over people. It's really, really good. It's Jeez, three issues in. Class. And there's another really good one called Heavy that I started reading last week as well. But what caught my eye certainly with this one, first of all, as you say, there is, there's two covers for it and they're both absolutely stunning. But it, it seems to be like a slight imprint of Vault called Nightfall Horror, which I kind of wonder mm. if they'll maybe be doing like a little line of horror books. Which it is wasn't, 
I saw one in the store the other day, and it wasn't too sure to pick it up. There was the autumnal. Was that under Nightfall? Yeah, that was another yeah. one. There's there's a couple of guys on it in the store. Actually, I haven't read it myself, so I can't I can't comment too much. But I've heard some good things about that as well. And as you say, it's the same way maybe we were looking sort of nine, ten, twelve months ago at Boom before they've exploded to be to the level they're at now. Maybe Vault are worth keeping an eye on. So, uh, yeah, I think I'll be putting myself down for this one as well. See you, Roddy, hand to my pull list. How dare you? Uh, no. It should be the other way around. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on, I know you're down for all three Tales from the Dark Multiverse one-shots. <laughs> uh, no comment. Just plead the fifth on this one. So, yes, that's Roddy's first choice from the October book. That is the picture of everything else, number one. So why don't you finish off the first round of picks then, Keith? What have you got for us for October? I have got a Marvel ongoing for you. Uh, brand new uh, by Al Ewing and Valerio Shidi. Uh, called Sword S W O R D number one. Uh, the the synopsis reads: In the startling aftermath of X of Swords, mutant kinds will take the next bold step in claiming their destiny by relaunching the sentient world observation and response directorate to deal with all things extraterrestrial on behalf of Earth. Uh, the events of Sword will have tremendous impact not only on the X Men's world but the Marvel universe as a whole, as the mutants of Sword warp the cosmic landscape forever so sword was um originally created by joss whedon and john cassidy in 2004 for it was astonishing x-men and uh, as i say sword stands for sentient world observation and response department it's a like a counterterrorism and intelligence agency with a purpose to deal with extraterrestrial threats to earth's security and it's the it's a space based counterpart of of Shield, uh, which obviously deals with local threats in the world. So you see what they've done there, Sword and Shield. You see, you very see smart. What, see what they've done there, yeah. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so uh, after Nick Fury departed as the director of Shield, the relationship between the two organizations became really uh, really dodgy and. Uh, and sort of broke down a bit. Sword is led by uh, Special Agent Abigail Brand. She's a half-human, half-alien mutant hybrid, uh, and it has this headquarters on this orbital space station known as the Peak. Uh, and it's got it had a it had an undercover like agent in in the X Mansion. Members of Sword included a uh, Beast, Abigail Brand, Henry Peter Gyrick, Lockheed, Spider Woman, people like that, and then. That was that was sort of 2004. In 2010, uh, Kieran Gillen wrote a five-issue. It was supposed to be an ongoing, but it was cancelled after five issues. Uh, a a five-issue second volume of, of... Or a first volume of Sword, because it originally had just taken place in Astonishing X-Men. So, and that, that's where Henry Peter Gyrick came in as co-commander alongside Abigail Brand. Um, and as I say, that only lasted five issues. So Brand turned up again then as a supporting character in Captain Marvel as part of uh, the all-new, all-different Marvel stuff, um, which was after Secret Wars, uh, the, the the Hickman Secret Wars. And that featured sort of Abigail Brand as the lieutenant commander of the new Alpha Flight space station. She was working directly with Captain Marvel, and she's very not fond of Cap- of Carl at all, and it's revealed that uh, that... Um, Brand turned down the role of, of commander of Alpha Flight by Puck. So then Abigail turned up again recently in the aftermath of Empire. Uh, now, I don't know where everybody's at with Empire. Alan, I'm looking at you. Still yet to read it. 
Okay, so yeah, uh, me, but, too, but me too. But unfortunately, but, um, like um, I'm only. Oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. Right after you. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say um, Keith's kind words about it, like kind of intrigued me. Like I definitely think I will have a read of it at some point. No. I need an event. You guys, you guys have convinced me. I need to read more event comics. <laughs> well, only... there's, a, there's 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 pros and cons there, Roddy. There's pros and cons. Very much so. Um, but yeah, I, re- I did read the Immortal She-Hulk one shot this week, and it had spoilers for the end of Empire. Yeah, so. I'm quite sure. But no, I will okay, I will read through it in the next couple of days. I would say. Okay. Well, I'll not I'll not go into Abigail's Abigail Brown's role in the aftermath of Empire, but needless to say that. The end of Empire kicks off um, kicks off this series, uh, so Sword will be. I say it's a 2020 relaunch. It's going to be part of Dawn of X, written by Al Ewing, drawn by Valerio uh, Shini. Um, Al Ewing needs no introduction. He wrote all of Empire. He writes Immortal Hulk. He uh, writes We Only Find Them When They're Dead. He writes all the things. Um, uh, Valerio Shidi was on Guardians of the Galaxy, Empire, um, uh, Tony Stark, Iron Man. Whole lot of stuff. So the initial team seems to be Abigail Brand, Cable, uh, Frenzy, Fabian Cortez, that's a name I haven't heard in a wee while, Magneto, Manifold, and Wizkid. Um, so I'm kind of, I'm looking forward to this. I mean, it, obviously, the first thing to say would be, oh, no, another X title, but, you know, you can pick and choose, really. Um, and um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm picking and choosing this one um, because it just That looks... one definitely sounds like you could you read it without reading the others yeah yeah it, uh, i think you i think you could be right it's uh it's an interesting one and i think uh from what i from what i hear sword was actually supposed to originally feature in the original thor movie uh there was a, a deleted post-credit scene where selvig tells jane foster and darcy to cross-reference with the sword database however because at the time um Lockheed and Abigail Brand were owned by 20th Century Fox. The scene was cut, and then it's got me wondering then about about. Do you remember that? Do you remember the end of uh, of Spider-Man: Far From Home, where Nick Fury and the skulls scrolls are operating out of a, a space station? Makes mm-hmm. me wonder whether or not that's not the peak, the sword base, and whether we're maybe looking at at the inclusion of sword in uh, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe as well. So. Uh, Anyway, Sword Number One by Al Ewing and Valerio Shidi, uh, December. Um, I think it looks good. The art looks fantastic. The writing's going to be top notch. It's an Al Ewing book. Come on, what else do you need? Well, it's interesting because I, I know you've said that you can pick and choose for the X titles. That is, unless you want to read X of Swords, which just kicked off, where you're going to have to pick up every single one of those twenty-two issues. But <laughs> I did read the first issue of it, and obviously no spoilers because I don't think Keith's got to it just yet. But it was a wonderful first issue, but they do mention Sword in it, so I think that it's definitely they're going to spend part of X of Sword setting up this title as well. So okay. Uh, okay. it might be worth might be worth jumping on that to give you a precursor. But outside of that, hopefully it's just it's a number one that'll be you know kind to new readers as well. So uh, cool. So that was Keith's first pick, which is Sword number one. So I'm going to keep the Marvel love going. Shock horror, I know. But very nice of you. It is, but you know, I'm being very nice because you two were very nice to me in introducing me to the world of Conan. So mm. Conan, Conan the Barbarian came back to Marvel a few years ago, was being utilized by Dark Horse for a number of years, and it came back really strong. You guys raved about it all the time, and it was 
Jason Aaron obviously coming off of Thor was still writing it and the artist was Mahmoud Azrar I believe mm-hmm. and those first 12 issues Roddy was kind enough to lend them to me and then unfortunately he put me in a little bit of debt because I then had to go and source them for myself which despite owning a comic <laughs> store is not always the easiest thing but totally worth it can recommend enough guys if uh, if you even have the slightest passing interest in Conan that run is superb but the reason I chat Conan is because in December there's going to be a one-shot celebrating 50 years of Conan. So although it's not been at Marvel all this time, it's 50 years since Conan start, started with comics. And to celebrate that, they're doing this one-shot, 64 pages, and this is a who's who of uh, talent involved with this one. So just to break it down, so revelation surprises and savage action prevail in the all-new keen-size Conan number one. In 1970, Roy Thomas brought Conan the Barbarian, a creation of author Robert E. Howard, to Marvel Comics. With art by the incomparable Barry Windsor Smith, Conan the Barbarian introduced the Hyborian Age to a whole new audience, paving the way for decades of comics and Conan's conquest of pop culture. Now get ready to celebrate 50 years of Conan with an oversized special spanning the breadth of Conan's life and times by the most dazzling array of creative talent. Experience Roy Thomas and Steve McNiven's that's a hell of a team. All new prelude to that original story from 1970. Thrilled to a tale of revenge by Kevin Eastman. Yes, the co-creator of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Writing and drawing his first Marvel story. Chris Claremont and Roberto De La Torre team up to unveil a turning point in Conan's career as a mercenary. Kurt Busiek and Pete Woods recount an early brush with sorcerous forces that will shape Conan's destiny. Conan and Billy sail together again for the first time since the 2019 relaunch, with Jesus Says illustrating the Marvel Comics debut of Stephen S. DeKnight, who was a writer, director, and showrunner on Netflix's Daredevil. So what's really cool about this, as well as being something that will reward long-term readers, it's also a perfect introduction for new fans as well. And yeah, this this was the one that, yeah. out of the whole Marvel book, just stood out to me straight away. I may have stolen it off these two kind gentlemen as one of my picks. <laughs> like Conan Sweet. the Thief. <laughs> I learned from the best. I learned from the best. Yeah, um, this sounds incredible. Kurt Busiek, um wrote a lot of the Dark Horse stuff, I believe, um, back uh, many, many years ago now. It might even be over 10, 15. Um, that just sounds incredible. It's a, like, what a, what a mix. Kevin Eastman, Chris Claremont, you know, that sounds crazy. But oh, yeah, yeah, well up for Unbelievable. that. It's got yeah. like, Got got a good load of variant covers as well, isn't there? Well, not quite as many as Eternals, but I don't think many. Well, (laughs) they've set the bar for it, (laughs) yeah. But yeah, no, as you say, there are some uh, cracking sounding uh, variant covers for that one as well. I mean, the the main cover itself is beautiful. It's by Andrew C. Robinson, but you've got variant covers by Jesus Says, Jen Bartel, Joe Jusco, Carlos Pacheo, uh, John Buscema, Kevin Eastman. So there's... There's a heck of a lot of uh, great-looking variants there, but I have to say, i got to go with that main cover. Just I think that Andrew Robertson, uh, Robinson, one of bigger pardon, is superb. Just beautiful painterly style, uh, which sort of shows Conan at different periods in his life. So uh, it's uh, it's nearly uh, it's nearly movie-like, you know. It's nearly it's nearly like the movie posters of uh, of Conan the Barbarian or Conan the Destroyer, actually. Yeah, that, who that was, style. Who was the famous artist that did it? Was Drew Struzan, wasn't it? He did uh, like the thing and Raiders of Lost Ark and all those sort of classic painted movie posters, not like those horrible cut and paste jobs these days. And that's uh, what sixty four pages, is it? Sixty four page one shot, so it is. So I think that's going to be tremendous. And 
what's interesting as well is I was just looking ahead in the Marvel book there as well, and they're also soliciting Conan 17 and 18. Now, He's s- back. Now, yes. 17 so. seems to be the end of an arc, but 18 looks like it's the beginning of a new arc. So if you enjoy the keen size Conan, there looks like there's a perfect jumping-on opportunity there with Conan 18 as well. So awesome. might be worth keeping an eye on as well. So... Yeah, a little bit of Marvel for myself there. So that is King Size Conan number one. To move on to Vicky's second pick, and another one that I will wholeheartedly agree with, simply because it's coming from AWA Studios. Obviously, Keith, uh, sorry, I beg your pardon, Roddy, in the intro there had mentioned the good work that AWA are doing these days, and this looks to be no exception. So this one is called Bite Sized, so brand new number one. It doesn't specify how long it's going to be, but the thing with AWA Comics seems to be their four-issue miniseries or five-issue miniseries, and then if they do well, I think they will get a, uh, a second volume. So I, I think this will probably be a four-issue miniseries. So written by Cullen Bunn, uh, illustrated by Nelson Blake II. So when two young siblings excitedly unwrap their final Christmas presents, sorry, Keith, they discover toy robots unlike anything they have ever seen. And with good reason. What the kids and their parents don't know is that their quaint suburban home just became the beachhead for these self-aware robots that have begun to explore the outside world. And when one of the bots breaks bad, it's going to take a Christmas miracle to stop them. Come on, Keith, that has all your favorite things right there. Sentient robots. The miracle of Christmas. (laughs) You know, there's even a Christmas tree on the cover. I think Keith's all over this. Oh, I'm sold. I'm absolutely sold. (laughs) I'll leave it at that. Um, but yeah, no, I as I say, I've I've been digging all the AWA output, and that actually sounds very different to the stuff they've been doing so far. You know, yeah. so so far you've had sort of dark horror in a hotel, and you've got zombie apocalypse stuff, and you've got end of the world scenarios with resistance and Devil's Highway, which is sort of a dark horror story. So that actually looks like it'll be a little lighter in content and maybe something that even slightly younger readers could jump into as well. So, yeah, so that was Vicky's second pick, which is bite-sized number one. What about you, Roddy? Give us another pick. What do you got? Uh, going to keep going on the indie indie bandwagon here, and this this one is very independent. Um, started life as a sort of single-issue short a uh, piece of work published by Uncivilized Press way back in 2013, and it won, or sorry, it was nominated for an Eisner for the best single issue or one shot. And um, this is by James Romberger, and it's called po- sorry, excuse me, Post York. Um, so this is um sort of like expanding the original one shot and making it into like a 40 page one shot um, about the end of the world. The story is set in New York after the polar ice caps melt. A young man navigates the flooded city looking for something, anything, anyone to start again. Um, he, yeah, everything changes when he encounters a mysterious woman and a trapped blue whale. Will they be each other's salvation or destruction this sounds really cool. I'm really, really digging it. Um, love stuff like the road, the end of the world. I'm sure it's not going to be water world, but I love that too. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's there's just stuff that really interests me about it. I was reading um, an interview with Ron Berger, and he, he sort of said, um, "Post York's hero is my son Crosby." And the story is an apology to him because of the mess um, 
it, his generation has left the planet in for the future. So that that really interests me, and um, it's really his the whole art process around it is really intriguing because. He says the book is created in an experimental way, improvised directly onto artboards without a script or preliminary layout. And Ooh. then there's all this stuff. Are he you saying, Roddy, are you saying that he's winging it? Yes. <laughs> so that's why you have to pick it up. Uh, so there's loads of there's stuff he talks about in this interview about alternative endings and all this other stuff so it sounds really intriguing and his art is absolutely gorgeous um should say the new one is published by dark horse under the burger books imprint i'm really looking forward to it actually um definitely something to check out james romberger has done, done a book with uh David Wojnarok, no Rockich, um, called Seven Miles a Second, and that was a book about um, the AIDS crisis in the 1990s New York. So it's one of a very special comic book if you haven't read that. Um, uh, David it was written in a, the last years of his life, sort of similar in style to stuff like philadelphia and all that kind of thing um so yeah it's really really intriguing reads so if that's anything to go by this is definitely one to pick up yeah i should mention just very quickly uh that it is a advanced solicit so that'll actually yes, be in sir. february so it will be but yeah beautiful looking uh cover for that i have to say based on the previous book so yeah i'll keep an eye out for that roddy's always good with the old uh original graphic novels recommendations plus the burger book stuff tends to be really interesting in general you know i've really seen much from the burger books recently in the previews but or maybe i've just ignored them but it's yeah this this really piqued my interest yeah i mean the the burger books we we had a, a decent wee run with them there was yeah. girl in the bay which was burger books yeah invisible um, kingdom invisible kingdom there was one called hungry ghosts which was anthony bourdain wrote oh, that as yeah. well which was really good so there are a couple of good ones out there but yeah i mean maybe they expected more uh dark horse obviously karen Berger primarily responsible for that golden era of vertigo comics so it's uh it's nice to see something really interesting in the book for for this uh month's previews book so cool so that was roddy's second pick that was post york uh an original trade paperback which is coming out in February 2021. And we'll finish off with another wee pick them from Keith. What have you got for us next? Sticking with Marvel, uh, got a one-shot. Uh, Ghost Rider Return of Vengeance number one by Howard Mackey and uh, Javier Solteras. So this is this is an interesting one uh, for, for a number of reasons that I'll, that I'll discuss, but... Uh, the synopsis says that Michael Badalino was a bad dude in life and that landed him in hell, but not just any old rung of hell, a lair so deep it's reserved for those special enemies of hell, one where a former spirit of vengeance may suffer for all eternity. But eternity is too long to keep down the one who takes the name of vengeance. Fan favourite Ghost Rider creators Howard Mackey and Javier Solteras return to the saga of spirits of vengeance in an all-new tale as vengeance brings his own brand of hellfire back to the Marvel Universe. Uh, and I am so looking forward to it. So, Vengeance was a character created by by uh, Mackie and Solteras during that uh, absolutely seminal uh, Ghost Rider run of uh, of Mackie's back in the 1990s. So, Mackie first gained attention as a writer as a writer in 1990 when he and uh, Javier Solteras launched 
a new Ghost Rider series for Marvel, revamping the character and introducing the new host of Danny Ketch. Uh, and he wrote that for six years up until issue 69. And it was a lot of people's first introduction to Ghost Rider. So Danny Ketch is a lot of people's first Ghost Rider. Um, Ed Breeson in his recent Ghost Rider series was really nodding to that that run of Howard Mackey's um, back in the 90s. And, uh, and this is interesting because... This, I believe, was already solicited as the Ghost Rider annual number one, The Return of Vengeance. So I got very, very excited a few months ago before they announced the uh, the uh, the end of, of Ed Breeson's run and that, and that Ghost Rider annual, uh, which was advertised in March, sort of fell off. Um, so it looks like this is the same thing, but retooled in some way. But what I do notice is in that last solicitation, it was Hard Mackey. Ed Breeson and Javier Solteras, but in this, Ed Breeson's name has dropped off. So that's a bit of a, a bit of a strange one. Um, anyway, but so if if you if you if you haven't read, uh, if you weren't reading Breeson's run, uh, I think this is very much for that for that that sort of person or that sort of person who read the original nineteen ninety Ghost Riders run. Uh, Michael Badalino was a Marine turned cop and later detective. And he didn't have much else to do but follow in his dad's footsteps and convince, you know, commit himself to serving, you know, the NYPD. Unfortunately for him, Mephisto had other plans and uh, manipulated, uh, you know, he manipulated Johnny Blaze and Danny Ketch and uh, and there was a, a demon that ruined Michael Badalino's life as he knew it and convinced him to sell his soul to become vengeance. So it turned out Badalino was originally supposed to have that power all along, even without having to sell his soul. And the good news is that for a while, despite the fact he was a Ghost Rider villain, uh, he fought alongside Ghost Rider to enact some good outside of his day job, uh, doing the same to a lesser extent, but it didn't last very long. So for a while... Michael Badalino vengeance was was Ghost Rider was the spirit of vengeance. So uh, somewhere down the line, he lost control. He started taking lives that he could have saved, and eventually he sacrificed himself to defeat Hellgate. Uh, and then he returned to in Ghost Rider in a battle against Mephisto's uh, son Blackheart, and then he landed himself in hell. But that's clearly not where the story ends. So. Um, what Howard Mackey has to say about this new title, it's a, I say it is a one-shot. He says, I'm excited to be able to make the journey back to the Ghost Rider corner of the Marvel Universe and revisit Michael Badalino and Vengeance. When I came up with the idea for Vengeance a few years back, I thought, what if there was a version of Ghost Rider who could take the gloves off, not hold back, forget about penance, you know? What if Ghost Rider wasn't such a wimp? <laughs> In this book, we get the beginnings of an unchained vengeance, so... So, no, you know who else can call Ghost Rider a wump except Howard Mackey? So, <laughs> so, and I mean the visuals. Uh, I mean the visuals of of Vengeance just as a as a character, are fantastic. You know, he's he's this huge hulking dude. You know, with this this demon skull head and these protruding teeth and these spikes along his forehead. And you can through his costume, you can see his fiery ribs and all this sort of stuff. He's uh, he is a bit of a badass. Um, so, so yeah, I'll be interested to see if this. You know what they've they've done with this. You know the original solicit back in March that had Ed Breeson's name on it involved uh, Lilith going up against Johnny Blaze and Mephisto for the throne of of, of hell, uh, and and Badalino sort of entered that story as a as another player. You know, but 
obviously that very much was dependent on Ed Breeson's story. So I'm wondering what what this is, how much that they've kept, or I don't, I just don't know. But uh, I'm very much looking forward to seeing to seeing Vengeance writing again. Is this a case of rewarding the Ghost Rider readers? who it got sort of cut down on its prime there a little bit, didn't it, the most recent series? It certainly did, and I think that could very much be the case, but but then why is Ed Breeson's name not on it? Hmm, maybe you more know? than meets the eye there. That one's for you, Roddy. Hey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, yeah I could see uh, this Ghost being Rider. popular. Yeah, I could see this being popular, Ghost Rider, um, simply because... Again, there were there, not just yourself, but there were plenty of people just seemed very, very beset by the fact that that series was just stopped, just mm. as it was sort of. I think you even were saying it's the best Ghost Rider's been in years. Yeah, absolutely, because it was so strongly based on on that nineties, uh, on that nineties uh, run, you know. So I've set myself the challenge now of uh, of picking up that run, <laughs> those those sixty nine issues, the ones that I don't have. It's always nice to have a little bit of a challenge, you know. It's, it's out of pure interest. Is there anything you try to go back and collect, Roddy? Yeah, yeah. I've actually set myself a challenge quite oh, recently. Really? Um, lovely regular of the store, uh, Chris, um, actually gave me my first, uh, well, second Spectre comic. So I'm going to try and collect the John Ostrander Spectre comic from the 90s. I think it's volume four of the Spectre. So, because... I had the, there's a really cool cover. I can't remember the issue, um, but it's the Spectre looking down and Superman's in the foreground. But most of it's just the Spectre taking up the whole thing. And I love having you know comic artwork on my walls, and that's mm-hmm. been on my wall for a long time. So I was like, I'm going to collect this series, and it's DC. So come on, that yes. must be like a, a a notch in the DC column there. <laughs> huh? That's always good to hear. So it is uh yeah cool well i will do my best to help you with that little uh little yes. backtracing where i can cool so that was keith's second pick then for from the october previews book so that was ghost rider return of vengeance number one so it's back to myself now and shock horror i know it's a batman title the first of two so first up for me this month um sorry first up of those two batman titles is the return of an anthology series for dc uh it originally kicked off in june 1996 and has sort of come back intermittently every uh so often this is called batman black and white and what this is is an anthology series and the only prerequisite for it is that the story must feature batman and the art must be entirely in black and white so what this tends to do is it tends to attract a lot of the top artists, top writers, because they can just tell a story in six, eight, ten pages, get some really strong artwork on it, and then leave it at that. You know, it's not a case of writing these long ongoings or anything like that. So to give you an idea of the talent involved in this, it's going to be a six-issue miniseries. Uh, this is the number one launching in December. To give you a little rundown of the creative talent already announced, and there are still more to come, You've got stories and art by Paul Dini and Andy Kubert, Scott Snyder and John Romita Jr., Tom Keane and Mitch Gerrards, Emma Rios, John Arcudi and James Harron, Gabriel Hardman and Karina Becko, J.H. Williams III, G. Willow Wilson and Greg Smallwood, Nick Darrington, Sophie Campbell, David Aja, Bill Quay Evely, Joshua Williamson and Riley Rosmo, James Tinney IV and Trad Moore, Lee Weeks, Chip Zdarsky and Nick Bradshaw, and many more so it's just a way of the top creators oh. just scratching that batman creative ish you know 
you know, there were a few there that definitely caught me by surprise. G. Willow Wilson's an interesting one. Did such great work on Miss Marvel for years. Uh, Joshua Williamson writing Batman can only be a good thing. Chip Zdarsky is always interesting as well. Paul Dini back doing some good stuff. So in terms of the first issue, uh, so the iconic anthology series returns with a brand new slate of comics, most exciting and innovative storytellers to explore the Batman mythos in stark black and white. In this debut issue, James Tinney and the Fourth and Trad Moore explore the world of Ra's al Ghul and the League of Assassins. J.H. Williams III returns to DC Comics for a trip through the Dark Knight's history. Emma Rios explores the external struggle of the Dark Knight. Paul Dini and Andy Kubert pit Batman against an infestation of ninja man-bats in the Batcave. G. Willow Wilson and Greg Smallwood portray Batman in his strangest standoff ever with Killer Croc. With a lineup this strong and a cover by legendary Batman artist Greg Capullo, you won't want to miss the start of this tremendous collection of Batman tales by some of comics' top creators. And for all those weird collectors out there as well, there is a tally of variant cover by Peach Momoko, just in case you need that. So... Yeah, she literally has a variant cover for like everything now. I really do think so. I I struggle not, to go not th- to get into it, but <laughs> <laughs> it's like every every time I see it, it's like Peach Momoko variant. Hardest working artist in comics, you know. Yeah. I, I think you could make a case for, but no, I mean I I love me an anthology series. I really really enjoyed the recent uh, Detective Ten Twenty Seven. You know when you've got creators who are at the top of their game, along with great artists, great writers. You know, you, you can't go wrong with that kind of stuff, and that is that is some lineup right there, to say the least. I think this is this is one I might jump on. I I have um two. I think I have graphic novels, like two volumes maybe, mm-hmm. and I remember them being absolutely fantastic. I'm not sure if I have if that's them all collected, but um yeah, I think I'm gonna jump on this DC one. Greg Smallwood kind of feel like I have to now, so yeah. <laughs> There's always one artist or one creator out there that just like is it pulls so you. So it's in, you know? like a, it's like a sixty pager, is it? Uh forty eight pages each time. So it's uh, essentially about the size of an annual, or, or yeah. a one shot. So, but yeah, just you 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 tend to get plenty of value for that because again, it's not just one story you're going through. You'll have different takes on on the Dark Knight. And it just as ever, and it's it'll always be why Batman's my personal favorite character. So I just think the versatility of the character is great. And that was something you saw in Detective Ten Twenty Seven as well. For every dark and noiry detective story, you have a over the top love story between Batman and the Joker. You know, by Zdarsky and Fraction. You know, it's it's just you can approach the character in so many different ways and make it interesting. So I'll really look forward to that. It was very close to being my uh, my pick of the month, but my pick of the month this uh, month, given how long I've waited for it to be announced, was never in question. So, But we'll get on to that in a bit. Uh, yeah, so my third pick then was Batman Black and White number one. Uh, then moving on to Vicky's third pick, this is another graphic novel collection. This is actually one that we collected in graphics. It was an image series running 15 issues, but they're actually doing a hardcover, collecting the entire volume, and this is called Skyward. So, written by Joe Henderson, with art by Lee Garbe and Antonia Fabella. So, one day, gravity on Earth suddenly became a fraction of what it is now. 20 years later, humanity has adapted to its new low-gravity reality. And to Willa Fowler, a woman born just after G-Day, it's, well, it's pretty awesome. I mean, you can fly through the air. I mean, sure, you can also die if you jump too high. So, you just don't jump too high. And maybe don't get mixed up in your dad's secret plan to bring gravity back which could get you all killed. Uh, as well as putting the three graphics together, it's also going to feature a brand new epilogue with all new art and story in there as well. So, Oh my God. 
Skyward was one you read it, didn't you read it? Yeah, I I got all the singles. Like, uh, what a like a charming, charming, beautiful book all about family, and it actually reminds me a little bit of Middle West. In the, it's the same sort of family dynamic and relationship a little bit. Um, certainly not the same art style, but um, yeah, it's an absolutely gorgeous book, and I'm kind of kind of thinking I want it just purely for the epilogue but isn't that uh, an advanced solicit as well uh, or is it December double check of course I had to close the previews book after you'd asked that question yeah <laughs> Roddy loves putting me in these spots we couldn't, uh, couldn't be prepared it's my fault uh, advanced <laughs> solicit that'll actually be yeah. start of March so even further out than your post York so damn it <laughs> damn it Vicky and your advanced solicits Speaking of uh, of things that uh, are far out, uh, we've got a news just announced that uh, Keanu Reeves Berserker has been delayed by four months. Right. Did, was, so, <laughs> so what happens to the Kickstarter? Was that then? was that a really loud from you there, Roddy? <laughs> well, it, that it's really interesting. Like, um, I wonder what. Well, I don't know. Says... I, I think um, there's a little bit. I do love Boom, but I think there's a little bit of. Uh, poetic justice there mm. there's i'm not a fan of the way they were using kickstarter to be honest so uh it says uh the publisher attributes the delay to the decision to change artists from the originally announced alessandro viti to longtime marvel dc artist ron garney oh, wow. uh, to facilitate the change and maintain its high production standards boom has announced that the in-store date for issue one will change to february 17th 2021 uh, reads the message sent out by Alan's favourite Diamond uh, Comic Distributors. Issue two will now ship in March. Issue three in May, in accordance with the title six weeks publication schedule. Um, so there you are. Sorry to interrupt. Um, so what, so you're, what you're telling me there? Segment. What you're telling me there is thank you very much, Diamond Comics. The single biggest indie title of this year, in terms of pre-orders in our store, has been delayed by four months. Yeah, love your work. <laughs> <laughs> My work. No, no, I'm talking about diamonds. Oh, no, I'm shooting the messenger totally. I'll throw you under the bus as well. But uh, no, it's a shame to hear that in a way. But I do wonder if some of that had... See, I'm convinced that they signed Kenny Reeves to Boom. They paid a lot of money for it, and the pre-orders were not as big as they hoped. They then used Kickstarter to try and guarantee more money for it because you were guaranteed the graphic at the end of that. But even it said you wouldn't receive your Kickstarter until 2022. That's a long time out. So I, I've had my misgivings about that book for a while, to be honest, and as interested as I am in it and as much yeah, faith yeah, as I same. have in Boom, but I, I've had slight misgivings and, you know, it's a shame to hear it delayed, though, I will say, but, uh, oh, well, sorry, guys out there who are really looking forward to Berserker. Keith just had the burst your bubble. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> uh, but anyway, back to the, <laughs> my goodness, he used the C word in September. <laughs> what is going on this is a strange podcast tonight so yeah so that was vicky's second pick which is skyward the hardcover collection and i believe your next pick roddy is also a collection what have you got for us yes um i kind of think i need to pass this one back to you guys because i think you have all been reading it this is stealth volume one which is coming out in december 9th uh without any diamond uh you know issues like that but um really looking forward to this one i remember somebody i think it was keith lent me the first one 
and it has the most phenomenal twist ending yeah and it was just yeah. oh it was so good and then i think um whatever reason i think pandemic sort of put a put a wee stop to it but um yeah this is created by robert kirkman and mark silvestri uh stealth is an action-packed series perfect for readers who enjoy black panther and iron man which i thought was an interesting mm-hmm. comparison yeah yeah, yeah. Um, this one collects issues one to six, and it's actually it's a sixteen ninety nine dollar comic, so it's not quite the low image price point. But um, it's it tells the story of uh, Stealth, who for decades has waged war on crime in Detroit, but now he's taken his pursuit of justice too far. Um, only reporter Tony Barber knows that behind Stealth's reckless behavior is an older man battling Alzheimer's his father a father unwilling to accept that he's no longer the hero the city needs with enemies all too eager to force his retirement um it was a crack crack in first issue you guys can tell me more about the rest um but i thought it was a really interesting concept about um an aging superhero sort of battling battling himself and battling Al- alzheimer's as well so and no, then there's we've also got a father-son dynamic in there yeah i mean to some extent you know, the the stealth has an origin and everything, but it really takes a back seat to that story, that father son story. Yeah. Um, really, and that story of 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 an older man refusing to accept his limits. You know, and that. Um, that's worth it's worth noting. Although this was created by Kirkman and Silvestri, the writers of this that was the original. Yes. Um, Sorry. You yeah. know, the writers of this is Mike Costa, Nate Belgrade, and Tamara Bonvillain. Um, but yeah, it's continued to be really strong, Roddy. Uh, issue five came out. Uh, I think we're expecting issue six this month, uh, maybe school. next week. Yep, yes, indeed. Um, uh, and that. So, if you if you didn't jump on this at the time for the singles, definitely jump on it for the trade. I totally agree, Roddy. This is just phenomenal story. Also, really intriguing to see that you know it may continue. So, oh, will it? Although, it? Well, if it's if they're putting volume one on it, I'd be quite hopeful there's going to be volume two. But obviously, we've seen nothing about a, a number seven or anything. But maybe, maybe they're holding out hope. Hmm. Okay. But I don't know. I just thought it was intriguing. I know they might sometimes just put volume one, but uh, I thought it was intriguing that they put volume one in there. So not like interesting a complete, complete stealth or something, you know? Yeah. But I mean, it was you... also one. Oh, yeah, sorry, no, no, not at all. You you look at the other trades that are solicited this month, and they're all ongoings that say volume one, volume two, volume three, so forth. So hopefully that holds out hope because yeah, this has been a title I very much enjoyed. Uh, it always goes quite close to the top of the reading pile every time it's out. To be honest, yeah, um, and I remember Vicky. Vicky was a really big fan of it as well. Uh, Vicky was the Vicky was the instigator. Actually, I may have lent you the the so issue, that's but always uh, the way. <laughs> but uh, Vicky was the one that had me jumping on it. Ah. <laughs> nice um yeah that'll be something to to definitely look forward to and out just in time for christmas no advance solicits here so yeah that's roddy's third pick which is stealth volume one so finish off the round of the third pick then keith something indie from you this time yeah stepping off marvel stepping on to titan uh for blade runner 2029 number one by michael green mike johnson and uh, andre guinaldo so 
well, the solicit following the dramatic events of the first arc, Blade Runner 2029 sees an emotionally changed Ash back with the LAPD's Blade Runner division and once again on the streets hunting renegade replicants. Uh, she finds her loyalties and humanity challenged by two replicants, one offering her salvation, the other deadly damnation. So uh, Titan Comics uh, obviously have been have been running uh, the 12-issue Blade Runner 2019 uh, and this this is effectively just a new era, a new volume of Blade Runner. So it it it, it follows it that that first arc, that first arc in, in twenty nineteen has finished, but that arc has taken us right up to twenty twenty six, I think. So the next the logical step is it's no longer Blade Runner twenty nineteen. So we're jumping on here to Blade Runner twenty twenty nine, um, which I guess will also maybe be be twelve issues, but it's listed as a as an ongoing, and it's just literally a transition from Blade Runner twenty nineteen to Blade Runner twenty twenty nine. So, the rebranded series continues the story of um, the LAPD's most lethal Blade Runner, uh, Detective uh, Anna Ash Ashina, and uh, the series, you know, it features the the return of the creative team of co-writers Michael Green, who's the screenwriter from Blade Runner 2049, uh, Mike Johnson, who's a writer on Supergirl and Star Trek, and Andre Guinaldo, Justice League Dark, and um, Marco Lesko, who's the colorist, uh, who was uh, on Doctor Who. So the series editor, David Leach, says that both fans, old and new, will be excited about the direction of the Blade Runner franchise uh, in this comic book adaption. Um, in this area of the Blade Runner comic, we see Ash become more human, which I think is fascinating. Uh, he reveals in the official announcement the initial idea of this killing machine, he says, referring to Ash, the Blade Runner, learning humility and humanity from a bioengineered individual is amazing. Um, uh, there will be a variant cover by Peach Momoko um, and also by John Wick artist Giovanni Valletta and Blade Runner concept artist Sid Mead. Um, so this, I mean... We we talked earlier on a wee bit about Firefly and and how I reckon it is just a fantastic use of a license. This is also a fantastic use of a license. I mean the the world of, of Blade Runner as as defined in that original movie, and you know further further expanded in in, uh, in Blade Runner twenty forty nine. That just what they're doing that the feel and the tone of this book throughout Blade Runner twenty nineteen, which is set I think before Deckard. Um, it's just it's absolutely phenomenal it just it feels like blade runner and the, the original story the original series took us from los angeles uh out into the out into the ruins beyond it and then up into space to the outer colonies um you know and this then has us sort of back on back on the ground in uh, in la of 2029 so i just if nothing else i'm just really looking forward to seeing those visuals but ash is a fantastic character uh, a really, um, a really interesting character as a as a lead in this. So I'm looking forward to to seeing how she's changed. You know, in the ten years, uh, you know, between the start of 2019 and, and 2029. So very, very good stuff. Very good stuff. So uh, any of you guys on this or uh, no? But no. it's something I really want to be actually. Um, Blade Runner is something I absolutely adore, but I just don't know why I never really picked up those ones. I might try and. Maybe get a wee graphic novel run down the line. Yeah, I mean, I'd say I'd say uh, they'll probably solicit. I don't know, Alan. Um, are yeah, there any I mean, solicits the, for the, for twenty nineteen trades. Yeah, the first two trades are already available, and I see with uh, 
Of course, that when I turned the previous book to Titan Comics, of course, the first thing I saw was that Peach Momogo cover. But <laughs> uh, yeah, it sort of says at the bottom there, offered again, Blade Runner 2019, Volume 1 and 2. And they're also soliciting, although slightly late, unfortunately, they're soliciting Volume 3, which is called Home Again, Home Again. It is an early solicit, though. It's not going to be out until February 3rd. Well, I mean, the 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 Blade Runner book's not finished yet. The 2019 book's not finished yet. So, yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's finished in November. So, well, I would, I would, if I were you, Roddy, I would maybe pick up the first two or three of this, and then, uh, and then grab the uh, grab the trades. Okay. I mean, it's your wallet, obviously. It's not for me to tell you. But, <laughs> uh, no, no. If you say, I'll. Whatever you say, I'll do. We have that on. Uh, we have that on record, Keith. So let's see what <laughs> we can actually get him to do. <laughs> so yeah. So that's Within Blade Runner. That's Blade comments. Runner twenty twenty nine number one. I should say at this point, just to clarify as well, that if you are already getting Blade Runner twenty nineteen with us, that we will transfer the order over straight away to twenty twenty nine. Something like this for me is still an ongoing. It's still sequential. So we would move that across. So if it's a case of you're happy with just 2019 just let us know and that's fine we'll cancel it but we don't like the idea of people missing out and titan comics tend to be slightly smaller print runs as well so we would rather carry it over for you as we basically see it as still the the continuing you know ongoing story so yeah, and i mean i think i think as well if you haven't been well that's one of the reasons i highlighted it alan because i i know i know that's what you do and therefore just wanted to to highlight it to make sure people weren't confused they weren't expecting 2019 to continue to come out whenever 2029 was launched but also i think this could be a good jumping on point uh you know for the for the tail and then again a good example of if you do jump on and enjoy this you can then obviously go back and, and get those previous trades as well but, but yeah you'd expect this to stand on its own two feet as well as a story so uh cool so blade runner 2029 number one for keith so we're getting down to sort of the the biggest picks i suppose of the month this was another one for me, next that was almost my pick of the month, and it really did come within a, a hair's breadth of being my pick of the month. And that's for the very simple reason that, something we all agree on, Pulp was one of the stories of this year. Thoroughly amazing indie graphic oh, novel yes. from Image Comics. And that came from the team of Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. Sean Phillips, two guys who have worked together for years, know each other's work inside and out, through Criminal, through The Fade Out, through Fatal through Killer Be Killed, the aforementioned Pulp. And now I'm delighted to say that coming out in December, December 16th, no less, this is Reckless, which again is going to be an original graphic novel. This seems to be the way these guys are going now. They did have Criminal as a bit of an ongoing there for a while, but they released My Heroes Have Always Been Junkies and then Pulp, and they seem to be doing these lovely hardcover straight to graphic novel. So with this one, with Pulp, what was great about it was, well, there were many great things about it, but what I really enjoyed about it was the time frame that it took place in. So you had the Old West, but you also had sort of around World War II in America. This one's actually jumping to the 1980s. So again, it's shown a bit of versatility with these guys. They don't always stick to the same eras. So sex, drugs and murder in the 1980s Los Angeles and the best new twist on paperback pulp hero since The Punisher. Them's big words. Uh, Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips, the modern masters of crime noir, bring us the last thing anybody expected from them. A good guy. A bold new series of original graphic novels with three books releasing over the next year, each a full-length story that stands on its own. So this is the first of a trilogy. Meet Ethan Reckless. Your trouble is his business, for the right price. But when a fugitive from his radical student days reaches out for help, Ethan must face the only thing he fears, his past. 
So they're already giving you a slightly early solicit there as well, or at least a preview that book two in the Reckless series is going to be April 2021 as well. It also says that it's for fans of things like Parker or Jack Reacher as well. So preview pages, as ever, are absolutely stunning. They, I always adore Sean Phillips' work anyway. But this this has a different look to it, I have to say, sort of sun-drenched vistas and then it goes from that into the inside of this large barn and then it's pure horror. This will be awesome. I mean, we, we push pulp all the time in the store and I promise we don't work on commission for pulp. We just think it's that damn good. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think this will be one that will be going on plenty of people's pull lists just on the strength of pulp. Uh, again, mm-hmm. it was 144 pages. This is going to be great. This 144 pages, that is bigger than Pulp. Yep. Pulp was That's, 96, I think. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's a, it's, it's a chunky a chunky piece of kit. Yeah, just beautiful stuff. And then it's also Jacob Phillips, uh, Sean Phillips' son, who works on that Texas blood. He is also the inker, I think, for Sean Phillips, inker and colorist. So it's a, it's a real family book, I suppose you would say, as well. But yeah, the, this for me is already the you know, top of the pile. This is going to be fantastic if pulp is anything to go by and these guys are guys i've been following for years anyway so the very epitome of following creators rather than titles to be honest so yeah keep an eye out for that one guys that is reckless which is an original graphic novel going to be part one of three and that comes out in december 18th so yeah that is my fourth pick when it comes to vicky's fourth pick we're back to awa studio so once again with uh, the new kids on the block here so erratic number one this is going to be a five issue mini series it's written and drawn by Carrie andrews and colored by bran ribber you're 15 years old you're suddenly granted incredible powers cool right there's only one problem you can only use your powers for 10 minutes at a time what do you do when you have to save the world but you only have 10 minutes to do it this is the problem fa- faced by oliver leaf a teenager who has just moved to a new town and a new school and is having a hard enough time navigating classes and his crush before the interdimensional monsters started showing up. So again, this, by the sounds of it, has uh, an all-ages feel to it as well, which again is not something that I massively attributed to AWA Studios thus far, so they're definitely branching out with what they're doing. I mean, you turn the page for the AWA solicits, and you've got Year Zero Volume 2, American Ronin, Grendel Kentucky, Bad Mother, and they're all mature. Whereas Erratic is down as teen and Bite Size that I mentioned earlier is down as all ages as well. So it's good to see them expanding out into that sort of larger market as well. Uh, so yeah, so that's Vicky's fourth pick, which is Erratic number one from AWA Studios. Uh, what have you got next, Roddy? Nice. Um, well, I've got something a little bit different. So, you know, still, this is still kind of going with the indie sort of uh aesthetic but this is something completely different for me um this is by clover press and i actually have quite quite a tie together for you alan um this is an art book by aaron wiesenfeld um and he is a painter an oil painter charcoal painter watercolor painter he does this amazing artwork of um, sort of eerie images, eerie and haunting images, but with little twinges of hope in them. They look phenomenal, like blown up panels of a comic book page. But you might actually recognize them, Alan. 
Okay. If you if you were to look at what is your favorite comic book series of all time? Why the last man? Mm-hmm. Do you have all the single issues? I do have all the single issues. Yes. This uh, Aaron Wiesenfeld used to be a comic book artist. He's done stuff. He actually did stuff for Batman Black and White, I believe. Uh, that's some some link. And he also, there's a couple of covers he did for Why the Last Man. There was one that was looking at, I think it's issue 21. So if you if you have the time, go hunt that out. Um, but yeah, this is going to be a 10... Um, a 10 by 10 full color art book and something I just thought, do you know, the best part about coming into the store sometimes is just picking up that previous book and having a good look through it and seeing seeing what's there and all the like the smaller presses and all all the different stuff that's in there. Because, you know, sometimes it's not just comics. There's sometimes there's books, sometimes there's art books, sometimes there's all this good stuff. So this this really took my eye just because I love I love art and it really just um it really intrigued me looking at his like sort of melancholy, isolated um landscapes. Um yeah, I just really dug it and there was something something I really look forward to. I wanna check out because he's been working since two thousand. He there was there's another book called The Well and Travelers sort of um, uh, encompasses his work from 2014 to now. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. And I think it's I don't think it is an advanced solicit, but I do know it's actually on Kickstarter at the moment. So might check that out too. But um, yeah, um, probably not for everyone. I would just say, but that's the beauty of comics, and I just love. I just love that feeling of discovery and finding something that, you know, that you really dig, you know. So, yeah, I just thought I'd share. Yeah, I mean, I don't think this is going to appeal to Keith. It's 10 inches by 10 inches in size, so <laughs> it, it, it's stupid size. I'm not sure about this. Yeah, but... well, it could, it could be a coffee table book. <laughs> yeah, an art book. An art book's a different kettle of fish than a comic, Alan. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's solicited here. It says it's for a sixteenth of December release date, so it nice. does. So they say Aaron Weisenfeld, a former Wildstorm and Marvel artist, has been creating works of fine art since the early two thousands, and this is a collection of those pieces. Yeah, I looked back at some of the Why the Last Man covers there. He seemed to do a lot around Volume Four, sort of yeah, issues sixteen, yeah. seventeen onwards, and I remember seeing those covers and thinking they did look quite different to what had come before it. So. Uh, so there you go. So I probably uh, already own half that book already. Yeah, he had a great story. I was reading an interview with him. He was he was telling, um, I think it was the Hollywood Reporter were interviewing him, and he said that he he was very scared. He was at a convention. He and he was like desperate to go up to Neil Adams and show him like his art, but he was like, oh, I don't know. He'll say it sucks or whatever. And then his friend like told him to go up and was like okay you're doing this and then he went up to neil adams and i think neil adams told him to you know go away and come back and do a bit more and then he gave him his first gig in the comic industry so i thought that was pretty pretty nifty but yeah um definitely definitely worth checking out if you're into that sort of thing yeah cool sounds like a, a slightly different solicit but uh a very interesting sounding one that is travelers the hardcover I Aaron Weisenfeld, and that is Roddy's fourth pick. Uh, what about yourself, Keith? Pick four, last pick before we get to picks of the month. 
Uh, and I'm heading into the DC universe for this one. Uh, just uh, I thought it would be uh, it would be good manners uh, just to, <laughs> to to fire something from DC up on the board. Um, so this is another odd one in the same way that uh, in the same way that uh, Ghost Rider: uh, Return of Vengeance was an odd one because I think this is kind of something that has been retooled and uh, and resolicited. So this is Generation Shattered number one. So one shot uh, by Dan Jurgens, Robert Vendetti, and Andy Schmidt with art by Ivan Reyes, Brian Hitch, Kevin Nolan, Aaron Lepresti, uh, Fernando Passeran, Paul Pelletier, and a bunch of others. And the solicitor says, a threat of cosmic proportion to DC's newest and oldest universe compels one of the most unusual groups of heroes ever assembled to take on the most mysterious foe they have ever encountered. Join the original Batman, uh, Commandy, Starfire, Sinestro, Booster Gold, Dr. Light, Steel, and Sinestro. Sinestro's mentioned there twice. That's interesting. And their quest to save the universe before time runs out. So... This story follows on from uh, one of the stories in Detective Comics uh, 1027, which was Generations Fractured, was the story by by Dan Jurgens. And uh, in that story, the original Batman of 1939, who first appeared in De- Detective Comics 27, uh, ended up, it was like a museum heist. The Calendar Man was undertaken, and there was a, there was a, a whole lot of, back and forth and went on anyway and uh towards the end commandy the uh future cave boy appeared and uh and told batman of 1939 that you know there was something he needed his help with and, and off they went um so so that was that I, I this is a continuation of that and to me i don't know is this is this what this DC Generations G5 thing was supposed to be? And they've sort of... Yeah, you do have to wonder. I mean, it is a one-shot. It, you know, I when I first saw this solicited, I wondered if it was going to be sort of one of five because I think originally DC had set up to do Generation Zero on Free Comic Book Day. And then that was going to lead to Generation 1, Generation 2. The, the sort of scuttlebutt around the industry at that time was that DC were getting ready for some sort of reboot, which was going to be called Fifth Generation or the horrible moniker 5G, and it was going to be... 5G? G5. Yeah, and it never happened. It was it was apparently the brainchild of Dan DiDio, and then obviously there were some changes in DC Comics, and Dan DiDio left. We don't know whether he left of his own accord or he left before he was pushed, but the, the generation stuff just seemed to go away, and to be honest, with all the free comic book day stuff that ended up coming out, you know, they made it sort of a summer event and new new issues every week. There wasn't really a DC one that came out as a result, and we were sort of left in a little bit of limbo with it, and that's one of the reasons I wonder what the future holds for the for the company. But they obviously saw something story-wise, or maybe it was just a case of they had to pay off. Maybe Detective 1027 was that far along with that story in there that they had to do something to pay it and off, there was, perhaps. Uh, was there not a, was there not a, like a, a, a prelude in, in Wonder Woman as well at some point? Uh, uh, there, was a, there was a Generations prelude that appeared in uh, as far as I understand it in an early uh, it was a Wonder Woman uh, was it Wonder Woman 7 5th one of the one of the one of the big anniversary Wonder Wonder Woman issues Wonder Woman 750 it was a Scott Snyder and Brian Hitch story okay um, it was considered a prelude to the to that event in its original form um, from what I understand but 
But yeah, I mean, this this could it be that this is a one shot called Generation Shattered? Next month they'll release another one shot called Generation Something Else. Yeah, that's, that's you know definitely a possibility. I mean, there's there's a hell of a lot of talent involved in it. In there really is, yeah. You know, it's, and uh, some top artists know, it, as well. Definitely. I mean, it's and you know, there's the they mentioned the original Batman. You know, and the, obviously the the Batman that was in that Detectives one hundred two seven for it story was the the original Bill Finger and Bob Kane Batman. Mm-hmm. You know, as he was, but whenever they say the original Batman, it's no more. It's almost like they're saying that 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 Batman is not yeah no longer same, exists yeah yeah is not in the same continuity as you know as our Batman. You know, it's it's a weird one anyway. But but I don't know. But this this is this would seem to be it anyway. It's an eighty page one shot. Um, you know, at that at that higher price point. Um, but uh, yeah, I just thought it was. I just thought it was really interesting. I really enjoyed that story and and uh, uh, Detective Comics one hundred two seven. Dan Jurgens is a fantastic writer. Batman Beyond, when his work on it will be missed until it turns up again. Um, but uh, but yeah, so it, it just this this really stuck out to me amongst all the endless winter and uh, one shots from Dark. Knight's Death Metal and from Tales of the Dark Multiverse. So, um, yeah, there's definitely something a bit more old school about it, isn't it? You mm. know, obviously, with that original Batman, but also characters that maybe you don't see quite so much. You know, Commandy and Steel Sinestro, so good they named him twice, according to that uh, <laughs> little preview text. Booster Gold, you know, obviously was a part of Heroes in Crisis, I think, and a little bit of the Batman run from Tom Kane. But other than that, it's a character you don't see much. So there's a little hint of maybe classic DC here, even the fact that it's Dan Jurgens. You know, and Brian Hitch is involved, and Kevin Nolan, and so forth. So, yeah, I mean, I'll definitely be picking this up. Similar to you, it was I really enjoyed Detective Ten Twenty Seven, and that was a story that caught my eye. And mm-hmm. I, I do like that original design of Batman with the purple gloves and the slightly pointier ears, the and, big, big long ears, yeah. And yeah. I would imagine this Batman is just very much just a straightforward detective. You know, there'll be none of the bells and whistles of being part of the Justice League and having a plan for everything. And you know, this might be a more simple take on the character. So. Yeah, I'll definitely be all over this. You know, you know, I love me a one shot. So, uh, yeah, cool. So, Generations Shattered number one, and keep those eyes peeled to see if it does get followed up with another one shot. But in the meantime, just that one coming, and it's actually coming out on the fifth of January. So it'll be uh, the start of next year for that one. Cool. So that is four picks each then. So we now come down to each of our pick of the month. So essentially, if there's only one title you can pick up this month, this is what we recommend the most. Now, when it comes to me, I've layered clues already throughout this previous podcast of what mine is. It's a title I've looked forward to for well over a year at this point. It's a title that is very special for us in the store based on having the artist for an in-store signing last year, almost a year ago, actually. Uh, it was October 25th last year. but ah, Time I, flies. I don't really need to sell this one because after Keith said about the breaking news for uh, the breaking news about Berserker, I jumped onto Twitter quickly. And the top tweet that I saw was from the very artist who is doing this book. And the tweet reads, I don't want to sound too cocky, but this Batman and Catwoman comic we are making is way better than Venom and Watchmen. So I, <laughs> I don't need to sell it. Uh, so obviously this is a little bit of a uh, 
A little bit of a wink and a nod to Donny Cates and his Venom run. He very famously said his Venom run was better than Watchmen. That got the attention of Dave Gibbons, who ended up doing a variant cover for Venom. And this is him obviously just having a little bit of fun with that, saying it's better than Venom and Watchmen. And interestingly enough, Donny Cates has already replied to it with that little sort of, really? Emoji. So... There's, there's definitely a little bit of fun there, a little bit of uh, friendly rivalry. So, so yeah, so the title I'm lo- most looking forward to this month is Batman Catwoman 1. So this is going to be a 12-issue miniseries. So this is essentially the continuation of Tom King's Batman run. Now, Tinian has been doing a thoroughly brilliant job of following on from Tom King, and he's also incorporated loads of Tom King's story threads into his run. But this is seen as sort of the, the truest... Um, the truest end to Tom King's work. There was a lot of controversy at the time. He was originally supposed to do 100 issues and then it got cut to 85, but then he was going to do this as well. And then the art for this is by Clay Mann. So thoroughly wonderful guy. As I say, he was in the store last year. We had a Q&A session signing. Thoroughly, thoroughly lovely bloke and also incredibly talented. And one of the stories he told us last year was regarding Batcat in that he said when him and Tom King were chatting about it, they really thought they had something special. Like this was, you know, this could be a story down the line that people could look at the way they look at Hush or the way they look at it, Dark Knight Returns or Year One. And the original plan was going to be Clay was going to draw eight of the 12 issues and they would have some fill-in artists so they wouldn't miss any of the, the deadlines. But because they thought they had something special in their hands, Clay went to DC along with along with Tom Keane and asked if he could draw the whole thing. If they could maybe just push it back a little bit and he would draw the whole thing. Now, they've definitely pushed it back a bit. Uh, this was originally going to be at the start of the year. But good things come to those who wait. And you'll be delighted to know, Keith, this is a black label title. But it is a regularly sized black label title. Nice one, Tom King. Yes, indeed. Clay so. Man. Yeah, really, really looking forward to this. So excited to see it in the solicitation books. And this is going to be 12 issues, and it features the comics debut of Phantasm. Now, if you don't know who Phantasm is, first of all, why do you not know who Phantasm is? Second of all, go back and watch Batman the Animated Series and the brilliant movie spin-off from it, which is Batman Mask of the Phantasm. And this is the first time this character is going to be introduced into DC Comics canon. So to give you the little breakdown for this, so at last Tom Keane returns to the rocky romantic saga of Batman and Catwoman with his Heroes in Crisis collaborator, superstar artist Clay Man. Echoing plot points from Keane's epic Batman run, this sweeping tale is told across three timelines. The past, when the bat, bat and the cat first fell in love. The present, where their union is threatened by one of Batman's lost loves. And the future, where the couple have a happy life and legacy, including their daughter Helena, the Batwoman. And as the story begins, after a long marriage, Bruce Wayne passes away, which frees Selina Kyle to settle an old score. At every stage of their relationship, Bruce and Selina have an unwelcome chaperone, the Joker. Oh, and that lost love of Bruce's? It's Andrea Beaumont, Beaumont, a.k.a. Phantasm. Just thought you'd want to know. (laughs) This sounds effing brilliant uh this is right up my alley this is continuing on from a wonderful batman annual that tom keen wrote as well which showed an older bruce and selena together many years later uh which really tugged at the heartstrings i am so pumped for this i have been looking forward to this for ages the way vicky would look at the previews book every month hoping saga was in there i would look at the dc one every month and be like when is this being announced and it is finally going to be here uh Clay's doing the main cover for it. There's going to be a couple of variants, one by Jim Lee 
and Scott Williams, and one by Travis Charest as well. Uh, there will be a blank variant cover as well, which I may just have to get and send over to Clay and get him to do a wee commission for me, uh, whether he likes it or not at this point. So <laughs> I think this is going to be huge. Really looking forward to it. I love the Maxi Series uh, format. I love the 12-issue format. I love that they took their time to release this. I hope that it's going to be mm-hmm. similar to Three Jokers in that monthly like clockwork. Here it comes, here it comes. As ever we say it, Doomsday Clock, we're looking at you. So I'm guessing I'm not the only one out of the three of us that are going to be jumping onto this. Oh, straight away. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this. Have been, have been looking forward to it for, for a long time. There's no denying Tom King's run on, on Batman. You know, that was, it was just fantastic. As you say, there was a wee bit of controversy around you know the 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 drop and you know the change in the the actual run on the actual batman title and, and hopping onto this but uh yeah i mean you, you can see the sense in it now really can you yeah very um, awesome. and uh absolutely very very pleased to to see that that clay man will be drawing the whole thing that so that that makes it worth the wait because mm-hmm. you know this sort of a book you know this anticipated like this and 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 seeing filling artists on it would just have been cheap. Yeah, it would, you know? it would be a bit of a waste. I mean, the the one I always go back to is No Justice, which was four issues. Scott Snyder was linking together the end of Metal and and the start of his Justice League run, and three of the issues were drawn by Francis Manipal, and issue three was drawn drawn by Riley Rossmo. Now I really like Riley Rossmo's style, but it's very different to Francis Manipal. It just pulls you out of the story. I find. You know, if you've got that consistency with artist and with writer, it just reads so beautifully. That's why I think we're all such fan of indie books because they all tend to be creator-owned. So you have the same artist through it as as well as the writers. So, yeah, really delighted they took their time with this. Really delighted that it has now been solicited at long last. Uh, cheers, Clay. It only took a year after being in the store. So, yeah. Really looking forward to that. I think that's going to be a big one, guys. So definitely jump on that. Uh, I like to think as well... With it being 12 issues, I think there'll certainly be little wrap-up beats at the start that'll certainly fill in people, fill in the blanks, so they can jump on this as well. But as you say, Keith, this this worked out beautifully in a way because we, we started to get this great Tinian run. We got people on to Batman at issue 86, and it's bigger now than it's ever been. And then the people who were fans of the, the Keen run now get this you know epilogue, essentially, to that story. Yeah. So, so although there was a bit of controversy and a bit of annoyance, certainly for myself at the time, you know, it, it hopefully it'll be worth the wait and we'll really, really look forward to that. So Every time to be a Batman fan? Every time's a good time to be a Batman fan. <laughs> Batman is DC's cash cow and don't they know it? And everybody wants to write it and everyone wants to draw it. So it's, it's, it's the same with Spider-Man. You know, everyone wants to write and draw Spidey at some point in their career. Everyone wants to write and draw Batman at some point, I think. So, uh, yeah. So there's my second Batman recommendation of the month. At least it wasn't three. Uh, so yeah, worth ba- the wait. Worth the wait. Worth the wait. So Batman Catwoman number one. That is my pick of the month. Now, when it comes to Vicky's pick of the month, I'm delighted to say it is also DC. I know what. I know it's it's <laughs> taken me a number of years, but I finally have started. Um, was, to... it, was it really Vicky's pick, or I, I swear she's not here to. I to think, clarify, you know. Really, I think I might just have to get her over here just to back me up here. No, she shake. No, no. If you shake your head, then that makes me look guilty. This That's all right. I spoke. To, I spoke to. I spoke to Vicky earlier on in the week, and, uh, and yeah. she was. Uh, she was very, uh, very excited about this particular title, and, and amused by the fact she had uh, 
selected a DC title. I'm not being believed that you chose DC for your pick of the month, but it's okay. I've got Keith to back me up. So, uh, so yeah. So this was Vicky's pick of the month. So this is actually a one shot again. This is a special on a character maybe not a lot of people are too familiar with. This is a Ginny Hex special number one. And Ginny Hex, this is going to be her first ever solo adventure. Uh, so it's a character who has been who's going to be bursting out of the pages of Young Justice. So this fan favorite gal is heading back to home to take care of some unfinished business. Hoping to take some time off from multiverse conflict, Ginny re- reconnects with some old friends and family. But all that goes out the window when a new foe called Three-Eyed Jack transports her town back to the Old West. Now it's up to Ginny to face off with this super-powered gunslinger and save her town. But Ginny's about to learn that some threats are closer to her heart than expected. So I would imagine Keith will be all over this, given he's a fan of the big old Western. And that's exactly what this sounds like. It, it does, but uh, I don't know an awful lot of Jonah Hex, and I'd never heard of Jenny Hex. Um, so I didn't, I didn't really, I didn't really jump on it. I have to say. <laughs> so far, uh, so that's far. okay. Vicky will wear you down over the next month. So <laughs> I should say this is written by Magdalene Visagio and art by Gleb Melnikov which are not two um, creators I'm too familiar with, but it does sport also a rather beautiful Nick Darrington cover. Uh, so I'll certainly pick it up. You know, I, I can't have Vicky recommending a DC title and then I don't read it. I don't think I uh, should be recommending any more DC titles. So, yep, that's her final one, the pick of the month, and the one she is most looking forward to. That is the Ginny Hex special number one. Uh, so what about yourself then, Roddy? What is your pick of the month? So I am going to continue and make it a complete indie clean sweep for me. So no blue or red on the board, all yellow. So this one is Post Americana number one, which is coming on the 2nd of December. And it is the first of a six issue miniseries uh, written by Steve Scrooge. And we've also got... Dave Stewart on sharing art duties with Steve Scrooge as well. Um, if you don't know, Steve Scrooge is the creator of Maestros, and he also is a co-creator of We Stand on Guard with uh, Brian K. Vaughan, which is a phenomenal book about uh, Canadians trying to fight back the technologically superior American forces set 100 years in the future. It is uh awesome steve scross was also on spider-man for a long time and mm. uh he was on x-man after age of apocalypse and he was so he, he was he was a fairly well-known yeah uh, marvel artist for a long time oh cool so he was yeah. and he also the... i believe he also did some matrix the matrix storyboards i can't remember if it's the first film or um uh, one of the the other two sequels. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. Um, see, when I look at his art, I just think comic books. There's something about his work that just there's something really kind of old school about it, but it's also you know beautiful at the same time. Yeah. It reminded me of. Um, I don't know what it says in the previews book actually, but it reminds me a bit of Little Bird the art in that by Ian Bertram. And it also kind of, we were talking about James Stoko earlier. It's that kind of, that kind of vibe it's going for. So I'm really excited for this, obviously with the title called post Americana, you kind of, kind of maybe know what's going on. Um, 
So I'll read you the blurb. The Cheyenne Mountain Installation, a.k.a. the bubble, is the most sophisticated super bunker in the world. It was built to ensure the survival of America's executive branch of government and its most important citizens should the unthinkable happen. When the world ended, the executive branch failed to reach the sanctuary, but the elite citizenry did. Eight years later, one of their own has named himself the new president of the U.S. His plan? Subjugate the survivors of the American wasteland using the same bunker resources meant to rebuild it. The only thing standing in their way is a deadly wasteland girl, hell-bent on revenge. So, um... This one, this one was the, the big one in the previews book. It was the sort of one image you're kind of banking on. There was a lot of preview art in it. It was a good four pages. So I'm I'm really excited for this. I just think it looks, just looks like one of those that you kind of need to pick up. It's only a six issue mini series. It's got this beautiful artwork in it. And, uh, you know, kind of gives me. I think there'll be a little. Uh, world history lesson and um i think it would actually kind of gives me undiscovered country vibes i thought the same rory i thought uh whenever i saw it obviously i jumped on it it's post-apocalyptic goodness uh mm-hmm. so so i'm there um but yeah i thought the same there was a wee bit of an undiscovered country thing going on i'd say there's going to be a wee bit of a wee bit of a, a political uh, narrative there as well uh, i would imagine um so It'll be interesting to see. Well, uh, after the election, what happens? Mm-hmm. So yeah, this will be after. Um, yeah, really looking forward to it. I can't. Um, I just love uh, just the art. When I look at that art, it gives me I don't know. It gives me a nice feeling to look at. It's it doesn't look like anything else really. That those kind of artists and it you know it takes you back to sort of different time in comics. So yeah, really looking forward to. It. Yeah, well, I think two things to note uh, with the previous book, it it solicits solicits it as Mad Max Fury Road meets Snowpiercer. Those are two uh, touchstones of quality wow. there. And another okay. thing worth mentioning is in the preview art, I, I'm sure you probably maybe you didn't notice it, I don't know, but there's a preview page which is showing off these people watching a movie. And it's a superhero, big, chunky, brutal, jumping off a rooftop. And he says, I'm the goddamn Night Terror, which is clearly an, a nod at Frank Miller's all-star Batman and Robin, where he was the goddamn Batman. And, and then they're sitting watching this movie, and you can just hear them say, superheroes, probably the greatest American art form. So uh, definitely a love letter to comic books as well with this one. But yeah, I'm, on, I'm totally on your side, Roddy. This looks awesome. Uh, mm-hmm. Big fan of We Stand on Guard. It's, uh, that, was a, that was more of a situation of following the writer because I wasn't too familiar with Steve Scrooge's mm-hmm. work quite so much, but I'll definitely be following him to this. So six-issue miniseries, as you say, kicks off December 2nd, and that is post-Americana. So definitely one to look forward to. Uh, cool. Well, that is everyone except from Keith's last pick, which as much as I have my excitement for Batcat, I would say your pick is probably probably going to be the biggest title of December, I would say. I I would say you're, you're probably right there, and uh, sort of it adds a wee bit more... Uh, wee bit more value to to clay's uh to clay's tweet there um whenever you realize that uh, the bat cat is going up against uh a heartwarming uh christmas crossover from marvel's uh donny cates and ryan stegman in king and black number one of five uh and in true christmas style darkness reigns 
after a campaign across the galaxy, Null's death march arrives on Earth, and worse yet, he hasn't come alone. With an army of hundreds of thousands of symbiote dragons at his command, the King in Black is a force unlike any of Earth's heroes have ever faced. Eddie Brock, a.k.a. Venom, has seen firsthand the chaos that even one of Null's symbiotic monsters can wreak. Will he survive an encounter with the god of the abyss himself? From Donny Cates, Ryan Stegman, J.P. Mayer, Frank Martin and uh, VCs Clayton Cowles comes the definitive chapter in their two-year-long Venom saga that has changed everything you thought you knew about symbiotes. King in Black. So here we have the, uh, I guess it's the, the pinnacle uh, of, of, of Cates and Stegman's uh, absolutely seminal run on Venom. Uh, through the absolute carnage um, event uh, last year. Uh, obviously, what has been teased is the arrival of of the symbiote god Null, uh, you know, and that is almost at hand. It's been teased through through Venom and, and through a variety of other uh, Venom and non-Venom-related titles. He's going to be backed by an army of symbiotic monsters, and, you know, as, as it says, it poses a threat unlike anything the Marvel Universe has ever seen. Um, Cates and Stegman have just totally reshaped the Venom mythos, you know, and they've, they've added to it. They've, they've, um, they've built on it, built on what was there. And I just, this is going to be, this is going to be phenomenal. It just, the, the, if this follows the, the plan of, of of absolute carnage, which is the the core the core story, you know, and and a variety of other tie-ins and, and one shots that that add value, then then I'm I'm right there. But, um, you know, we know that we know that obviously this is kicking off in the in the pages of of Venom, and uh, we're both on Venom. We're all on Venom, are we? I know I am. <laughs> nope. Sorry. Seems fair. Seems be. fair. I know. I know. I know. I should be. I think it's it started um, started before uh, I came in the Coffee and Heroes, didn't it? Uh, Twenty eighteen, I believe, uh-huh. it kicked off in. Uh, we would have been open, but yeah, not open a maybe. long time. Um, yeah. So I mean, this is this has been teased for for a long, long time. Uh, Donny Cates did a recent video interview as part of a part of an online uh, an online festival, and he said, as far as event books go, this is the coolest darkest most heavy metal cthulhu dark horror thing i've ever been able to do i still can't believe let marvel is letting us go as dark and scary as we're going <laughs> so that's just that's just class it's almost like it's almost like donny cates and scott snyder are just competing for the most metal well i say donny cates and scott snyder but we need to throw jason Aaron in there as well you know uh, for the for the for the, the the metal competition in comics so Obviously, I mean the pages of Venom. Then we've got this uh, five-issue mini-series, which will be the the core of it all. But uh, but Venom won't be facing Null alone, uh, and apparently his unrelenting darkness will enshroud every corner of the Marvel universe in various titles, debuting in debuting in December. So uh, tie-ins, uh, tie-in titles, and new titles showcasing this unrelenting darkness. Uh, we've got Bruce Banner is going to be fighting through a planet of symbiotes in King and Black and Mortal Hulk by R. Ewing and, uh, and Aaron Cooter. Uh, Christopher Cantwell and Salvador La Roca will celebrate Nolmus with a twisted dual-tile tale of unlikely allies in King and Black, Iron Man and Doctor Doom. And 
Uh, obviously, Christopher Cantwell has made himself the go-to guy for for metal armored Marvel characters uh, in Iron Man <laughs> and Doctor Doom, and uh, he's uh, bringing, quite the niche. Yeah, yeah, and he's bringing them together in a Christmas one-shot. Um, and Kurt Busiek, uh, Ben Dewey, uh, Jonas Scharf are on uh, King and Black uh, Namor. Uh, I think there's going to be, you know, that, so that'll that'll explore Null's chilling connection to Atlantis. There's going to be tie-in title, tie-ins and all-going titles like Spider-Woman uh, number seven and the new Black Cat by by Jed McKay. Uh, obviously Venom itself. Um, and there's a few other bits and pieces in there as well. Um, Alan, isn't there? Yeah, you've got uh, the Kingdom Black Handbook, uh, which is going to be part of it. Atlantis Attacks number five is going to tie in. An interesting tie-in we definitely found was uh, the Union number one. Yes, weirdly, it was one that was solicited uh, for as part of Empire, and this is a this is the uh, the 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 team from the the British Isles uh, from the UK, um, and we uh, uh, bit we bit controversial uh, in various quarters, but uh, it was solicited for 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 Empire, uh, disappeared, and has now reappeared as a part of King and Black. Obviously, something else that has been retooled as a result of COVID and uh, and is, is going ahead. And also, uh, the current uh, Spider-Man, uh, Symbiote Spider-Man, is yeah, a King and Black like, time yeah, as well. Yeah, it kicks off in November, so it's almost like a prelude event a little bit as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so, yeah, so there's there's a lot going on. I mean, it really is, I think December really will be the month of, of King and Black. You know, it's... Uh, the, these guys have been building up to this for some time, and I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of buzz around it. There's a lot of, uh, I mean, whenever you mention Cthulhu Dark Horror, I mean, that's that's me gone, and, and Roddy's probably just going to jump on because of that, you know. So, uh, oh no, it's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of catching up. Well, Roddy, you said you were looking for an event to get into, so we may have just found it for you. Here we go. I'm really intrigued by that uh, Nam Namor one. Yeah even, yeah, even if I don't get that, um, yeah, I probably will. Probably just going to have to message the Coffee and Heroes page after and be like, put me down for it. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's the the previews catalog this, this month has got uh, a preview from some preview pages of uh, of issue one. And Ryan Stegman is just doing his his best work. Like, it's absolutely phenomenal. Just this, this great scene of Eddie sort of leaping off a, a building in New York and as he leaps, the symbiote enshrouds him, you know, and uh, where Eddie leaps off, uh, Venom flies through the air. It's absolutely, uh, it's absolutely phenomenal. It just looks, looks great. And the story of, the story of, of, of Eddie and his son, Dylan, will, will, I don't know if it'll, it'll, there's been a lot of mysteries around that and Venom, whether that's going to come to a head. Um, uh, the Avengers are very much, have been involved very much in, and how this has has been panning out. So, uh, yeah, just really, really looking forward to it. There's there's obviously going to be some uh, variant covers uh, of all kinds um, there. And uh, I know a lot of the a lot of the titles over the next few months are where with with uh, with Carnage with Absolute Carnage they were Venomized covers, wasn't that right? Yeah, that was the one. Uh, well, these are now nullified covers. Uh, so there'll be a lot of a lot of tie-in covers for uh, for this, but uh, I just think this is going to be pure rock. Like, uh, really looking forward to it. Um, yeah, 
it's interesting yeah. that uh, I, I find this both hilarious and essential, but Marvel have been putting out in the last sort of year or two this anthology series called Marvel Tales. And what Marvel Tales is about, it's like maybe 120 pages and it'll be reprints of maybe four stories from these classic characters uh, back catalogue. So to give you an idea, there's been Marvel Tales for Thor, for Fantastic Four, for Spider-Man. Well, this month you're getting no Marvel Tales number one <laughs> for this two-year-old character. Uh, but what this will also act as, Roddy, certainly this might be something that interests you. This is going to put together sort of the prelude stuff that is necessary before Keenan Black. So what you're going to get in this right. one is Venom 3 and 4. You're going to get Venom 25. And so you're essentially going to get those... Uh, get the details that you need leading up to this you know Null's origin where he's from and mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff you you have had a slight brush with Null already though haven't you Roddy yes I have Silver Surfer Black Silver Surfer which Black which is unreal what a book mm-hmm. so yeah mm-hmm. like um, I've dipped my toe in the uh, the the Null pool uh, Marvel <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly um, it's, it's I mean I War of the Realms, um, Absolute Carnage, have given me a certain faith that they're not going to go too badly wrong. The way that the way that Marvel have structured, you know, these uh, company-wide events over the last couple of years has been there. I mean, it's been a has been a teaching case on how to structure events. Really, you know that 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 everything that is core takes place, and I'm not I'm not bitching about about death metal although it might sound that way nobody um, thought you were until you had to specify that you <laughs> it's, were uh, it's, it's it's just it's been a, a master class in how to do it how to how to tell the story and tell a great story and that inside that five issues or six issues or seven or whatever it is you know and, and keep it in there and then everything else links or adds value the 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 stories that feature you can you can tell whenever a character you know, so for example, Immortal Hulk. There's a one-shot linked, but it's written by Al Ewing, who is the Immortal Hulk guy. Like, so, so it's if you're an Immortal Hulk fan, it's probably still, you know, critical reading. You know, and it, it'll 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 link that character in some way. You know, not reading it will not take away from the main story, but reading it will will add value. Will tell the story of of what your character that you love is doing at that time and how they're linking to that event. You know, so. So, so I think it, it's it's the way to do it. Like, and as I say, the way they have done these last few company wide events has given me faith that this is, you know, you you would be able to go straight in probably with the five issues and and enjoy it. Um, but if you're also one, for example, you know, one of those other characters that's tying in or or has a, an additional series, you know, if you're a Namor fan, then obviously you want to be picking up uh, King and Black Namor, for example. Um, but yeah, so so some great uh, some great stuff there. Uh, really looking forward to to King and Black, and I think we all have been for for a fair wee while now. Yeah, if there's one thing Marvel does, it's the long game. They they definitely get you hyped up over a long time. I mean, we've we've seen Null is coming for probably six months, eight months, a year. They're very good at sort of hyping this stuff up. And to be honest, with that team on King and Black, they'll they'll inevitably deliver. It's it's also nice as well what they do with this. They did the same for Absolute Carnage. Uh, the first issue was 56 pages and then the following issues were all 40 pages and they're doing the same thing here so you're getting tons of content for your buck there so to speak you know by the time you factor in the 40 you're, you're talking 200 pages just for the main title over five issues which is great to see so 
yeah, I, I've no doubt that this will be one of the. This will probably be Kate's and Stegman's crown and glory. Although in saying that, I think I remember saying something similar before Absolute Carnage because you didn't know if they could go much bigger than that, and then Absolute Carnage almost was like a starter for this. You know what I mean? This is the main course. <laughs> so what well, you know? So so this is this has got to be the peak. This has got to be. You know, this isn't going to be the second part of a three arc story or something. I mean, this is. There can be nothing else comes after this, surely. Donny Cates, I think Keith is challenging you. <laughs> so if you're listening, I hope you're working on part three. <laughs> but yeah, even just like on the Marvel previews book, once they uh, went with um, the 2020 event, they keep changing it now to 2020, but the zero is in the null sort of symbol. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, they've been hyping this for a long time. And yeah, I've, I've more than enough faith in these guys. It'll be worth the wait. I'm not too sure what I'm going to be reading through it. I have to be honest, with Absolute Carnage, I was reading Venom anyway. I got that Immortal Hulk one shot. But I avoided a couple of them, but I'll I'll see. But what Donny Kate's events, if there's anything to be learned from Absolute Carnage is, is that so many people just say, just give me it all. Just hook it to my veins, essentially. <laughs> you know. So the pre-orders are already... But to be honest, the pre-orders have been big in this since about june you know people yeah, have been asking can yeah. they pre-order it so this is this is going to be one of the biggest if not the biggest title of the year i would say yeah i mean i i'll certainly i'll certainly be on the, the main series staying on venom i don't think there's any spider-man related stuff interestingly because uh, spider-man's in the middle of last remains but um and considering venom span out of of spider-man all those years 30 years ago um but certainly the the immortal hulk uh, by al ewing uh, I'm I'm on both Doctor Doom and, and Iron Man by uh, by Christopher Cantwell, and uh, I can't pass that up, up Salvador Le Regard, so I'll probably grab that mm. one shot. Though it does look like the most Christmassy of the whole lot. Uh, <laughs> that's a, it's kind of an interesting one. Let me see. It has uh, Santa on the cover and everything. It has Santa on the cover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, uh, let me see. What does it say about it? I wonder how that sounds to people. You're talking about this dark event and Cthulhu and, you know, Venom and God of the Symbiotes. Then you go, oh, but there's Santa on the cover. I don't even know how that yeah. comes across if you can't see the art. Says Iron Man has risked everything to save Eddie Brock and now he's left with nothing but guilt. As longtime frenemy Dr. Doom shows up with both counselling words and ulterior motives, they'll be forced to battle an all too familiar spectre of the holiday season. I'll be one now twisted and controlled by the recent invasion of Earth by the Symbiote homeworld. As Iron Man and Doom fight, uh, as Iron Man and Doom fight as temporary uh, allies, their unexpected encounter both with each other and the horrifying inversion of Yuletide Joy will ultimately reveal them to be the true meaning of Nolmus. <laughs> so it looks like Santa's going to be uh, going to be symbiote infected. <laughs> no, I see why you're on board with this. Uh, this uh, uh, subversion of Christmas, if you will. Well, I should actually throw an addendum to my previous statement of biggest style of the year. It still has to go some way to be bigger than three jokers, so we'll see. But definitely has the potential to be. So yeah, Keenan Black number one. So again, if you're unsure about it, you know, obviously we've we've went into a bit of detail here, but just pop into the store. You'll you'll see the previews book. It breaks down each of the uh, the tie-in events, and you can pick and choose. As as Keith says, Marvel have been very good about the tie-ins just adding value rather than being essential. So you can pick and choose what you want to go with, or just stick with the main title and uh, and go from there. So. Cool. So that is the final pick of the month then, and that is Keenan Black number one. So yeah, that is going to bring an end to the previous podcast for the October book. So again, just to remind you, these are titles that mostly 
apart from those advanced solicits, mostly ship in December. Uh, as ever, you can call in the store if you want any added to your pull list. You can drop us an email, coffeeandheroes at hotmail.com. You can find us on social media uh, and get in touch with us that way as well if there's there's anything that catches your eye there. So, yeah, hope you guys have enjoyed this. It's always a pleasure chatting through these books and sort of even just lifting our own hype for them, I have to say. Yeah, so getting, getting excited about what's coming out. Yeah, some really, really good stuff there and some interesting picks along the way as well. I must admit, when I wrote Roddy's picks onto the board, I didn't have a clue about any of them. So it's nice for you to educate me, sir. There you go. The more you know. (laughs) Cool. Well, that's going to do it for us. We will be back again soon with uh, another reviews podcast. We may have a little book club in the works and a few other bits and pieces as well. So keep an eye on the Coffin Heroes podcast and on the Coffin Heroes socials, and we'll keep you informed on all of those. So until then, it's been a pleasure, guys. Good night. Keep on winging it. Like the artist in one of the books Roddy recommended. Beautiful.